to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we're going to talk about a little G1. We're down to the final four competitors. We're going to jump back and talk about a little SummerSlam. What the fuck happened with that ending? We're going to talk a little AEW Rampage. Does anybody know why Best Friends and BCC are feuding? Collision, Raw, SmackDown, a whole bunch more this week on the Band from Ringside podcast. That nine to five, it's time to feel alive. What up, Marks? And welcome back to another edition of the Band from Ringside podcast. I'm your special guest host, Jason Cornelius Bell, aka JCB. For those who listen to the podcast with my man, uh, Nattering with Nate, I did the Rob Van Dam JCB kind of motion so that way everybody can get their laugh in, neither here nor there. We're going to talk about Bill Vega in just a second, but we're going to talk about my right-hand man with the master plan out there in Portland, Oregon. It's B.R. West himself, Mr. Three Bear, Zach Bowman. Tell me something good, Three Bear. Uh, something good. It is July, but it is Oktoberfest beer season because this is whenever they release the Oktoberfest beers, and it's uh, just really some of the best times of my life. Uh, so... Oktoberfest and Fresh Hop. Um, there is no sober October for for me. Uh, I'm more of a dry January kind of guy. You you did say this was July slash August, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah okay. So. Just just want to make sure we were on the same month wavelength. We just you just said you know no sober October. I'm like, dude, it's July, it's July, August. It's the second week of August for Christ's sake. What are you talking about? You used to there there bagging up all the October fest, man. Do I have to give you my address so you can send me some of that shit? <laughs> well, uh, I'm cheersing uh, tonight. Uh, Bill's not around. Uh, he had to duck out for a family emergency, but uh, we have. Uh, a fresh cold Oktoberfest here. Since he's not around to do birthdays, just want to make sure uh, we say happy birthday to Michael Wallace Seals. It'll be belated when this thing comes out, but it is today. It is so. today. So yes, friend of the show, Michael Wallace Seals was at SummerSlam. So we obviously we're going to talk about that. Uh, we talk about the last few nights of the G1. Me and Zach were kind of talking amongst ourselves before we started recording. It was like, Jesus Christ, the G1 has literally taken over our lives to the point where nothing else is kind of, you know, we missed this or we missed that or I've gotten up, you know, ridiculously early to catch up on the, the stuff that I want to see, other, you know, promotions I wanted to watch. But, yes, we're in the G1 grind, so we're going to talk about that for a little bit. Uh, main roster stuff, AEW, I Obviously, we're getting ready to roll up to Wembley. We had a couple announcements for Wembley. And on that lovely note, let me do my spiel. I'll ask your congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band from Ringside podcast, volume 320, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels, it's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the holy trinity of BFR. Just one side note before we get started. I know somewhere in London, Matt is hearing this and is going ape shit. Hey, brother. This was like a last minute thing, man. We just found out about this like 30 minutes ago that Bill's not going to be on the podcast. But I, the next time, 
I'll be more than happy to call you, wake your ass up in the middle of the night so you can jump on the pod. Otherwise, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, if I'd have known ahead of time, I would have made adjustments to make sure you were on it or figured out something otherwise, do another date, whatever the case may be. So don't fret, Matt. We did not do this without you. This was a scenario where life kind of happens. And on that note, let's talk some wrestling, shall we? Let's get to that three count. And in classic BFR fashion, we really don't know who's going to start. So I'll let you start, too, Beer. You get the one count. It's Deer's Choice, whatever you want to talk about. All right. Uh, so let's just go with SummerSlam since, I mean, that's uh, one of the big four pay-per-views. So let's get that out of the way. Um, or, as you Ooh, know, you said let's get that out of the way. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Deal with the worst first. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, damn. We going like that? Let's do this shit. I don't. I'm not gonna bash it too hard, but uh, I was uh, way more hyped going into this show than I than I left this show. So, I agree. Um, that's uh, kind of why I say uh, dealing with the worst first. Uh, it was not a bad show by any means, uh, but they've been having some pretty banger uh, premium live events, uh, <laughs> especially ones that have been like a very brisk, like three hours, three and a half hours, almost like kind of like not takeover quality, but like as far as just like banging something out, like on a, on a weekend, you know, three hours of wrestling, you know, we all have busy lives. Um, it's been a pretty good run and this one was a little longer and didn't deliver quite as, um, the hype that was expected, at least in my opinion, but we can talk about it, uh, here. Um, but, uh, I mean, starts off with, it opened really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan Paul beat Ricochet. I really like this match. Um, their goal is to have the most viral match in WWE history. At least that was like the tagline. I don't know if they necessarily succeeded in that, but they definitely succeeded in having a pretty fantastic match. Uh, both guys looked great. Um, this was essentially, like we had said, leading up to this. Logan Paul has looked really good in a, in a string of losses since he started WWE, and this was his opportunity to get a win. I did a great job, like, old-school, like, heel work with, like, all of his, like, new new school kind of moves. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't really think old-school as far as uh, when you talk about Logan Paul. But, you know, he's calling out Samantha Irvin, who's Ricochet's fiance, And, you know, after he beats them, which we'll talk about the finish here in a second, but he's just – the whole time he's talking, he's beating him down, talk, beating Ricochet down and just, like, mocking Samantha Irvin. And then whenever she has to say that the winner is Logan Paul, he's like telling her to say it one more time. And she's like crying. And um, it was really, really well done. But um, I think this was pretty much summed up by Michael Cole on commentary when he said, this match was great, except that finished. (laughs) He basically just had uh, a, a hooded dude that was described as one of Logan Paul's guys. It wasn't even like a, a guy. Uh, just one of Logan Paul's dudes, his entourage, uh, handed some brass knucks. And I think, you know, WWE, they're usually not subtle about things. And it's like, they really want to knock you over the head with this. Like, they're knocking you over the head. It, just in case you guys didn't understand, Logan Paul is a heel. Right. And, you know, I didn't necessarily, at first I was like, man, I was like, they didn't have to like protect Ricochet. But then I was like, wait, I was like, they didn't do that to protect Ricochet. They don't really give a shit about Ricochet. Ding. They, 
did it to bash you over the head with this idea that Logan Paul was a heel in case you didn't realize that since like the first time you ever heard his name. Right. And that yeah. was that's something that I we had talked about before that I thought WWE was kind of trying to position him as a babyface, and I just thought that didn't work. It was kind of like round peg, square hole. Just looking at the list of matches, I thought this screamed curtain jerker off the bat, and it was the perfect curtain jerker match. It got fans interested and invested off the top. Both guys, I thought, did a really good job of just in the ring, telling their story, whatever the case may be. Right guy went over. I thought uh, we all, I thought all predicting Logan Paul. I don't have the uh, predictions, obviously, because Bill has the prediction book, but we'll d- deal with that next week when he gets back. But uh, like I said, I thought. When he could just let us know that we lost and he won. Yeah. Whether I don't know. He's just in a kayfabe but- I don't know. As I said, I think your boy did all right on uh, the SummerSlam predictions, but we'll just hold off on that until we see the official uh, results. Um, like I said, Logan Paul wins this match. Ricochet, I thought, was a perfect foil for Logan Paul. Their styles match really well. I guess the next question is, what's next for Logan Paul? Ricochet will probably go back to the mid-card in some form or fashion, which kind of sucks. I thought that, and I said said it when I watched it uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, which really made me mad about the finish, but neither here nor there. We'll talk about that in a second, the the main event finish. Um, I think this is a a scenario where Ricochet kind of proves that he can be one of those guys that's a linchpin in your – mid-card division, whatever you want to call it, whether it's the U.S. or intercontinental title picture, he can be a guy that's in it. Not saying that he can be the guy. I'll never see him being the world heavyweight champion in WWE, but he can be somewhere in the middle, having really good matches, holding the intercontinental title or the U.S. title like he already has in the past, and that feels like that's going to be at least his ceiling for WWE. Logan Paul, obviously on the rise. He's already had a, a title match for God's sake. So the sky, the sky's the limit for him. Ricochet did his job. He did it well. I thought, like I said, this screen curtain jerker and it, uh, this, I was like, okay, we're off to a good start. What's next? Uh, next, uh, again, the show, like started off with, with a bang. We had Cody Rhodes, uh, beating Brock Lesnar. This was not the typical, uh, one, two, you know, punch of like Brock Lesnar, big move, big move, big move. It had a different cadence. Uh, basically, the story of this match is that Brock Lesnar was destroying Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. the entire time. He destroyed him for two weeks before the pay-per-view even happened, just beat the living shit out of him every single week. Um, and then was just destroying him in the ring and outside of the ring. And the idea was that he was trying to give Cody an out to lose via count out and he did everything f five outside f five through the table um and the crowd was really into this i was really into it because it was a different kind of brock lesnar match than we normally get and um it told an excellent story and then of course cody just you know i mean at the very end of his rope he does this big comeback and you know he beats this monster clean he doesn't roll him up he doesn't you know do anything like he beat this monster clean and Brock acknowledges it and raises his arm, you know, to all four, four points of the compass. And I thought this was, I mean, this kind of more than anything uh, made, like, 
Brock Lesnar was like, I made, I'm making Cody Rhodes mm-hmm. tonight. And I think he made him. And he was already made, but, like, it just solidified it. Like, Cody is, like, the guy. Because they did such a fantastic job. And in my head, I was like, I thought that it was just a thing where, like, they paid Brock some extra money. Right. I was joking about that. Like, paid, paid him some extra money. But no doubt. Know. No doubt. Hey, Brock, I'm going to need you yeah. to do one last thing before you leave. <laughs> what? Yeah. But um, in my head, then I was, got to thinking, you know, um, Brock probably really does respect Cody because, I mean, what did Brock do? Like, he left and he went out and he made a mark on the world like he made his made himself like bet on himself that he could go to ufc and uh then he came back bigger and better than ever and that, i mean that's what cody did too uh not ufc but like think about the shit that cody did like in like the vacuum of wwe this guy was a mid carter with a famous dad who went off and started you know went to japan worked indies um and then he ended up not just working indies, but uh, starting a promotion that is the closest thing to rival WWE in its entire history. And, uh, I mean, there's probably a lot of real deal respect there. And Anyway, this is a good match. Sorry, I'm rambling. No, I can already say you weren't saying anything that I hadn't already thought. Um, I'll, I'll go this far. I was kind of looking for something a little more. I'm not sure exactly what I was looking for. Maybe bigger spots, the table spot, or not the table spot, but well, I guess the commentary table spot. That was the a spot that I was looking for. But then I was like, okay, maybe something else is coming up. You know, God knows he brought a tractor out last year. You know, no telling what he can c- come out with this year. Obviously, you know, no hose bar, but you get my point. In that scenario, it felt it fell a little short, but I thought this was probably the best of the three. I thought this was the best, then the first, and then the third, or the uh, the second one to me was my least favorite. I didn't like the uh, the whole cast angle or whatever the case may be. Um, I didn't think that when Brock acknowledged Cody for a lack of a better word, I thought that was on script. I thought they met, they made him do that or asked him to do it, paid him to do it, whatever the case may be. And when I come to find out that they didn't, that's when I was like, okay, that was Brock, you know, basically putting Cody over to everybody, you know, for those who might not have thought that, you know, he should have won at WrestleMania. Now he hasn't. This is Brock basically saying, hey, this is going to be the guy. It's just going to be a matter of time when it's going to happen. Obviously, we got a story to tell with Cody. He's got we got to figure out how he's getting back to Roman Reigns because that's his story. Clearly, we're going to talk about a little raw episode here because the Cody story does take a different turn and it's not Roman Reigns. But we'll get there in a second. I thought this was good for me. I was like, okay, two good back-to-back matches. We're good. We're doing well. I'm not disappointed. It's a little late, but I got a Red Bull in me. We're going good. What's next? I forget that you guys are watching the two hours behind me. That's like, (laughs) I start these things. Hell, I had to work too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's one beautiful thing about West Coast feeds is like it is 4 p.m. Whenever I start these, like a normal pay-per-view. Eat a dick, and so. I'm just like, 
I'm like done by eight. <laughs> Fuck you. God, I hate you right yeah. now. I'm trying to get out of fucking work like a motherfucker. It's like, all right, everybody start cleaning this shit up. Your boys got to go. That's why Tupac was all like, West Side's the best side. Like, hey, start early. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to move that way, man. I'm trying. God damn. <laughs> I figured that, that mountain, that mountain area is cold. That's perfect. It's somewhere in that middle where I can still do my thing and then have a little hour or two left to go out and do it with something else if I want to. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It what stays, was that? It stays light till like 10 p.m. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I love the West Coast. Uh, but everything is twice as expensive, so there's that. <laughs> so, that's that's um, why I'm working two jobs. So yeah, there's that. Yeah. So uh, then there was a Slim Jim Battle Royal. Uh, I'm not gonna say anything bad about this, but I don't really have anything good to say except for the right guy won. Uh, but you know, a lot. I feel like we've been spoiled. Uh, Battle Royals just usually are not that great anyway. Mm. But uh, but between World Rumbles and AEW does a lot of Battle Royals, but. They tend to do a lot of really good storytelling in them, and they didn't do any of that in this match. Like they had almost come out, Omos, sorry, uh, come out. <laughs> and I don't know why I always do that. Uh, he came out, and uh, you know they kind of put him over big, the Nigerian giant. He came in, and he threw a bunch of guys out, and then a bunch of guys ganged up on him and threw him out. Pretty classic stuff. Right. But um, they got down to uh, Sheamus and LA Knight. Uh, LA Knight did the cool thing where he jumps up you know, like in one jump up to the top rope and does the superplex and uh, threw Sheamus out. But other than that, I mean, this is just a battle royal, uh, but uh, solid and fine. And, you know, got a big pop, LA Knight's top merch seller, he's a ratings draw. Um, you know, people, they're just, they're just kind of riding this wave and they're being patient. And, you know, people were upset about money in the bank, you know, a little bit. I don't, I think people were happy enough with Priest because he's a, a solid choice, but I know there was a lot of people upset that LA Knight didn't get it. But if you're not planning on putting the world title on LA Knight, then you don't put money on the bank on him because they would have freaked out even more if he would have failed, you know, failed Oof. to cash in. So I think he should take Austin Theory's title because Austin Theory is a nothing champion. That's just me. I don't know what you think they should do with him, but. What okay? Well, I'll answer the question first and then I'll throw a question back at you. Uh, that's what I've always kind of thought that. Now that you're seeing um, L.A. Knight kind of turn babyface, obviously he had the the promo battle with Miz on Monday night, and Miz is basically there to make sure it's, you know he's getting L.A. Knight over. He's you know the the consummate heel, and he he should be able to help L.A. Knight to get from point A to point B, where point B is. I would assume it would be. Austin Theory and the U.S. title. But I won't sit up here and say that Santos Escobar has no chance. I guess here's my question just going on Austin Theory. What's happened to Austin Theory? I mean, he's kind of the perfect example of they did a ton to try to get him over. Uh, you know, like they had him beat John Cena at WrestleMania. Right. And the fans just like, he just doesn't have it right now. Like he's got the look, you know, he's, he's, you know, got the fundamentals and stuff in the ring. He just doesn't quite have whatever that it factor is like to click with the fans. Whereas like granted LA Knight's like a veteran, right. But he also at the same time, like he just has it like right now, like the it's clicking. He's hot with the fans. Like he's a, he's a hot hand right now. And I don't know what it'll take for us in theory, 
Um, a lot of times it takes a heel turn, you know, but he's already a heel. Right. Um, I think it's just maybe some, you know, new character work, something. I don't know. Um, it's going to take something. Or it's just going to be a guy, which is also fine. Fine to just be a guy. Yeah, but I mean, the, the way he has been kind of introduced, you know, I won't say he was the next big thing because that's obviously Brock's moniker, but you kind of get my point. Austin Theory had superstar tabbed on him fairly early. Granted, it was from Vince McMahon or whatever the case may be, but you can kind of... Maybe that's that's part of it where he was like a Vince guy and this just isn't... Even though it's still WWE, like guys like Grayson Waller have just completely outshined him. Um, really, you, know, you with, think Grayson Waller's outshine him that this this quickly? Grayson Waller hasn't been on the the main roster that long. I mean, let's say two months tops, three months. Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I feel like he absolutely has. I think that that you know Cena thing was like a waste with Austin Theory and you know his little interactions, Grayson Waller's interactions with like the legends and stuff. Uh, I feel like he's handled himself much better, and he's got he's gotten more out of those interactions than theory has. Um, you know, maybe they did something with like ran it back with like Gargano, you know, and you know, there, there, that was the best that theory's ever been. Uh, and he was just kind of a doofus, you know, goofball. Maybe he needs a face turn. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I feel like he's been outshined by, uh, these other NXT call-ups. Who's the better talker theory or uh, Grayson Waller? Oh, definitely Grayson Waller. Who's better in the ring? In my opinion. Um, you know, I haven't seen as much Grayson Waller because I wasn't watching as much NXT. Um, I'd say maybe, maybe Theory. Theory doesn't do, he doesn't fuck anything up. Um, he's got a decent moveset. Um, I've seen more Theory, so, um, it's kind of an uneducated, um, not an uneducated opinion, but I'll say Theory. Okay, fair enough. What's next? Uh, what was next? Oh, uh, it was the low part of the show, and I'm not even gonna shit. I'm not even gonna shit on the women. They were destined to fail with this um, this MMA rules thing. I mean, we're not an MMA podcast, but I've seen plenty of MMA. I don't watch it as much anymore, but um, you know, whenever it was like the big big thing, you know, we watched a lot of it. it was on like Spike TV, like I sure. worked bars. You know, the shit was on all the time. I know MMA and I kind of keep up with it through like the wrestling observer and stuff. But like this was just going to fail because uh, it made nobody happy. Right. So it didn't make wrestling fans happy because it was a stupid, weird gimmick match. And it didn't make MMA fans happy because it was a stupid, weird gimmick match. Like in MMA, has there ever been a time where they're like, whoa, whoa, stop punching the person unless the match is over? Right. right? They do that, but then the match is over. Right. Like, so this is not MMA rules. It was just so dumb. Like, and then they had doctors in, and then, like, you know, Ronda attacks the doctors, which I feel like is just, like, kind of an overdone spot. Like, um, it's very wrestling, but I, I don't I don't like it. And, um, you know, it definitely couldn't have made Shayna Baszler and Ronda Rousey happy, especially because, like, Shayna Baszler legit got the shit beat out of her. Like, mm-hmm. like this huge black eye. Yeah, she did and, not um, look good on Monday night. <laughs> I was like, God damn. <laughs> no. And regardless of what you're going to say about Ronda Rousey, her first run was good, and it really elevated the women's division. Her second run has left a lot to be desired. 
But, you know, she's, she's a hard worker. She got Shayna her opportunity with WWE. They're like best friends. And she handpicked Shayna to, like, be her last match out, you know, to give her the rub, like, on the way out. Ronda's never been submitted in her whole run in WWE, first or second. And she, they had Shayna submit her. And it did nothing for nobody. And I think it was more, like, this thing was, was doomed from the beginning whenever Ronda got the broken arm and they, they rushed the whole, like, story. And then they gave it a terrible gimmick and... um yeah, I just I kind of feel bad. It was just a, a shitty situation, and I hope that it doesn't stall Shayna because I feel like they could do some shit with Shayna. She's the one that's around, and I mean her run in NXT was very good. So. Um, no, I, I agree with that. If it wasn't for Oscar, we'd be talking about Shayna Baszler having the the greatest run in uh, women's NXT history when it comes to the women's title in NXT. Um. I can't agree with you any more than what you said. I mean, you really fucking nailed it. If we wanted to see an MMA match, you want you would go to, you know, wherever it is, Caesar's Palace. I don't even know where they do this shit anymore. I, I'll hardly watch it nearly as much as I used to, but you get my point. This gimmick, and I'll use the word gimmick, in quotations was bad because I know Shayna Baszler had a problem with, you know, someone using the word gimmick, but uh, I'm sorry when this is the, when the marquee says world wrestling entertainment, wrestling is in the, 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 the thought process, you know, we're not paying for an MMA rules kind of match. If you wanted to do that, I was like, you know, maybe fight pit might've been the way to go because they did it a couple of times and it kind of worked. It it felt like MMA, but it, it, you know, they had wrestling elements to it. I was thinking maybe you could go that route. I agree with you. Once Rhonda decided that she was done, done, they rushed this so quickly. And then on top of it, the, the week before, or I'm not sure when they pulled the Becky-Trish match off the SummerSlam card. I guess it was the week of. And all of a sudden, now you're getting, you know, back-to-back vignettes of Ronda and Shayna, you know, telling the story or whatever. I'm like, you should have did this way before this. So that felt like another, you know, way of rushing this to get to to press, so to speak. So then the, the physical match itself, I mean, I didn't mind it up until the point where the doctor got involved. I'm like, okay, now what the fuck? Okay, are we going to call this shit or not? Ronda throws, you know, the referees or whatever. That's just what Ronda does. Okay, whatever. Yeah, you the baddest bitch. At the end of the day, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like you said, nobody got over it did nothing for Shayna. It does nothing for Ronda. You see Shayna coming out on Monday night, uh, all banged up, you know, arm in a cast, and she beats uh, Zoe Stark. Now, what the fuck does that do for Zoe? As far as I'm concerned, you let a one-armed woman beat your ass on Monday night. So, I mean, it, it just, the domino effect of it all basically starts when Ronda breaks her arm and decides, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore, and now I'm ready to quit. Instead of trying to, you know, I get it, SummerSlam, but I mean, damn, you know, tell a story. Let Ronda come back and then tell this story. Payback is what, a, a few weeks away from now? I mean, you could have did it like that. I just think the whole thing was rushed, like you said, and Shayna doesn't look any better coming out of it than she did going in. Yeah, um, we'll see. Hopefully... 
Hopefully something happens. No, because, I mean, she beats Zoe Stark. She said, you know, saw Becky Lynch backstage. You know, I got a receipt for you, too. So there's a plan for Shayna now. How they execute it is going to be the question. But we'll get to that later. What's next? All right. Uh, Gunther defeated Drew McIntyre. Um, this was exactly kind of what you would think, uh, you know, big meaty men slapping meat. Although I think the, the crowd was kind of dead uh, compared to the quality of the match because of the previous match. I think it just sapped a lot of energy and they were pretty hot up until this point. Like Logan Paul, like the first two matches, they were very, very hot and um, be interested to kind of hear, um, you know, live from somebody there. But I saw this match better than the reaction that it got, but um, it, did, it did suffer from the crowd reaction. But, uh, you know, eventually uh, Gunther... Uh, prevails, strong champion, probably going to beat the Honky Tonk Man's record. And, uh, you know, they did get the crowd at the end. And, um, you know, something's going to have to give with Drew also, I feel like, since there was no Randy Orton, uh, which we talked about last week. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or we talked about it before, but Randy Orton coming back to talk, you know, to face Cody. I feel like, Drew maybe doing a heel turn and uh, having a battle with Cody. I think that would probably be the best thing uh, for both of them. Uh, mm. You know, kind of what do you do with, with either one? Uh, that's what I would do. But, um, but yeah, uh, it wasn't as good as other matches between these guys, but it was still, it was still pretty good. No, I agree. I think there was uh, meat left on the bone, and I think ultimately the reason why I think, and I'm, I'm, it's funny that you said you, you you were thinking Drew heel turn. I'm thinking Drew's going to be the guy to ultimately defeat Gunther. Um, it's like a month away, if I'm not mistaken. Chad Gable's next. That's the uh, the payback uh, pay per view. I guess I'm pretty sure that's what uh, the next pay per view is. Shinsuke Seth. Uh, probably is going to be on that as well. We'll talk about that here in a second. Yeah. But I think Seamus tweeted out right after Drew failed. I think he said, I'm Honky Tonk's only chance. <laughs> That's about that shit. <laughs> yeah. I like that shit. Seamus is so good like that. He's just, you know, both so, so witty and just, you know, he gets the fucking X, I guess is what it's called now. Anyway, um, I thought they left meat on the bone for the fact that I think Drew ultimately is going to be the one to take uh, the Intercontinental title off of Gunther, so that way it kind of frees him up, like I said last week, to ultimately start to chase Seth Rollins. Um, now, if that doesn't happen, let's just say for the you know the sake of argument, you know he beats he being Gunther beats Chad Gable, then comes back and then beats. Uh, Drew McIntyre a second time. Now I can kind of see where you're going with it. The first time might be, you know, it's just to get us to the record. The second time is where you can play the card of frustration. You know, I've been gone. You know, I was the pandemic champion, yada, yada, yada. That way, if you want to go that route and turn Drew McIntyre heel, that would make more sense in in the way (laughs) – because connecting the dots is going to be an issue coming up here in a little bit. Um, at least that way, the dots would connect, at least in my mind, in that way. 
the heel turn would make more sense. Right now, I still think Drew's going to be the guy that beats Gunther, but if he turned heel, I'm here for it because a, a heel, strong heel Drew McIntyre, we've never really seen. We've seen a heel McIntyre that was kind of like, you know, Roman Reigns' little lap dog there for a hot minute. This won't be. This shouldn't be Roman Reigns' lap dog. He should be, if not the top heel, one of the top heels on uh, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I mean, with, uh, with Brock, you know, stepping away for a while, like he could be the big monster heel on Raw. For sure. And he's believable. Yeah, for sure. That's about to say former champion. I mean, he there's a big shit two time champion. There's nothing you could really uh take away from him at that point. It's not like he he's not been put over. He's been put over. It's just now with the fans involved, do you want to do it again? Do you want to say, hey, thanks for, you know, getting us through the pandemic. Here's another title run. With the second title, that's why I like to have him the second title. I know you, you talked about it with AEW, at least for WWE's purposes, a second title kind of, we kind of need it because there's one title that's where we defend it and that Joker, that Joker's being Bogard by Roman Reigns. This one, at least, you, could, you know you're going to see it being defended at least once a month. There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah, totally. Speaking um, of the or the, the World Heavyweight Championship, talk about Seth and Finn. Yeah, so this was next, and this one at, at first I was like, man, I was like, kind of like their first match, right? I was just like, man, this really just isn't getting out of second gear. But they really like usually matches don't get better whenever the outside interference starts, but like this one absolutely did. <laughs> uh, the, the crowd just like ate it up, and uh, the story was that Finn was like obsessed with the seven years thing. And he, um, wants to beat Seth Rollins on his own and, you know, he's having some problems. And I thought that this was just pretty fantastically done storytelling wise. I thought that they should have put the title on Finn, but if you're not going to do that, this was excellent. Um, you know, uh, Priest comes down. He's got the briefcase. Finn doesn't understand what he's doing. He's just like, no. He's like, we're gonna do. We're gonna stick to Plan A, you know. And then, um, you know, things like he almost gets pinned, and he's like, okay, yeah, Plan B. He's like, give me that briefcase, <laughs> and um, you know, almost gets a near fall. He does his moves. He gets the coup de grace. The crowd is like super into it by this point, and uh, isn't able to pin him. Seth kicks out, and um, you know, some fuckery going on. He's like, tells Priest. You know, give me that briefcase. I'm gonna just, you know, you distract him, and you know, priest goes around. And the look on like, his priest, face was just like, dude, motherfucker. <laughs> I was gonna say, priest did everything right here. Like he was just like, I'm here to support, and like, and then the look on his face where he's just like, God damn it, like, right? <laughs> are you serious? Like, come on, dude, do I have to do everything around here? Just you know, slide he, the briefcase in. He walks to the other side. I'm just like, dude, this is great. I love it. And then he like did it, and he, he was a bit. He was like, you tell he wasn't happy about it. And then, yeah, Finn fucked it up. He was like, basically, he was so uh, worked up and distraught and like obsessed with beating Seth that he wasn't seeing things straight. And the finish was great, where he got curb stomped onto the briefcase that he was planning on using. And um, yeah, this was uh, absolutely excellent. So uh, it managed to further the storyline, further the division, even though I don't, I don't want to see judgment day broke break up, but like the tension is there, um, which is what we wanted from Seth having the belt or from Finn having the belt, or at least that's what I wanted. So we get the tension, even if we don't get the belt and that's fine. You want to solidify the belt. You want to solidify Seth, whichever, you know, 
Seth did put Cody over three fucking times last mm-hmm. year. So given it, you know, like, and it wasn't that long ago where like Seth was very, very cold, like losing to the fiend and they did the whole Monday night Messiah thing. And I mean, it, dude, Seth Rollins was like on life support there for a fucking while. So, yeah, this is fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, what do you think? No, I, uh, it felt, I liked the, the fact that, you know, Finn had the seven on his shoulder, you know, the jacked up shoulder, you know, Seth comes out with the, uh, the gear that he had when he, you know, heard Finn Balor. So, I mean, there was, I like those mind games, you know, the callbacks, the throwbacks, whatever you want to call them. Uh, you know, it just adds a little more intrigue to the story. The match itself, like you said, was pretty much going to script. It wasn't like it was doing anything crazy or, you know, out of pocket. But then once, you know, Damian Priest came down, I was like, uh oh, okay, here we go. Now what's getting ready to happen? I just I like the fact that it's it's Finn fighting himself when it's really been, you know, very choreographed. Priest comes down, real distracts, you know, Dom does whatever, you know, boom, boom, boom. Everybody has their role. Whoever's in the match, you know, benefits at the end. This time around, that was not the case. And like you said, Finn is trying to do it all by himself. He's that obsessed versus just accepting the help. And God knows this is probably one of my biggest problems, too. I don't like to ask for help. You know, motherfucker, move. I'll do this shit my damn self. And Finn was in that Jason mode where he's just like, you know, I'm going to do this. The curb stomp on the briefcase, perfect. Priest, his facial expressions, absolutely fucking gold. I wouldn't have guessed six well not even six months ago a year ago when day, when judgment day really first started and you'd have told me they'd have put the money in the bank briefcase on them at that point i'd have laughed my fucking ass off it ain't so funny no more now you can kind of see why they did it and slowly but surely damian priest is going to be one of the guys that's going to shine out of this I won't say Judgment Day breaks up. I just think they take Damian Priest out and then slide J.D. McDonough in. Backstage on Raw, you saw Finn and J.D. talking or whatever the case may be. J.D. McDonough attacked Sami Zayn. You know, obviously that was uh, Sami Zayn was a part of the main event at that point against Judgment Day. That's where I think this ultimately goes, where Damian Priest somehow either gives the finger to Judgment Day or they give him the boot. And then you put J.D. McDonough in. That's just my guess because, like I said, I don't think you break up Judgment Day. It's it's not as hot as the Bloodline, but it's it's doing a lot of the Bloodline legwork. It's on SmackDown. It's on Raw. It's on NXT. So in that scenario, I don't think you you can break it up. But you can replace one member with the other. Still keep Priest heel because now he's pissed, but he still wants to be Seth Rollins. Yeah, I mean they. Uh they lost edge and they flourished. So, you know, it's not like you can't shift some things around, which is once again, Um, crazy shit. If you'd have told me at that point, Oh, edge goes away and the the judgment day gets better. I'd be like, pass that shit on over. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, This is great. (laughs) All right. What's next? Uh, next was the triple threat match. Um, so the first, like, 15 minutes of this were an absolute mess uh, between, you know, like 
triple threat matches are hard. We talked about this in like a text thread. Um, a lot of WWE triple threats, um, if you haven't recognized the pattern, is one the two people beat somebody up and then they throw them outside the ring and they kind of have a singles match. And then the other person comes in and takes one out and then the other two people kind of have a singles match. And that's kind of the cadence uh, and the pattern. This was them trying to do a bunch of triple threat spots, which, you know, when they're done well, um, even when they're done well, they often look choreographed, like in triple threats. Uh, and when they're not going well, it looks terrible. And that was like between mm. just, you know, rough spots and wardrobe malfunctions and all kinds of shit happening. Um, the first 15 minutes of this just, just sucked. And, um, you know, uh, then, you know, Bianca gets tossed to the outside. Uh, kayfabe hurts her, hurts her knees and she's being walked to the back and she, you know, powers her way back to the ring. <laughs> Stop looking at this shit like, a, man, they yeah. keeping this camera on her a little too long for my taste. If it was this deep, they'd be like, man, get her off her camera. Get her the hell out of here. And once they start to walk her up the ramp, I'm like, man, <laughs> this is a bullshit. Yep. Hold up. And then she takes off to the so, ring. Go ahead. What do you do whenever you fall down and hurt your leg. I know I climb six feet in the air into a 450 <laughs> splash. Like, that's my first thought. <laughs> so, but um, it was dramatic, and it added to the story, you know, afterwards. And um, so uh, I forget how, like, the uh, the ending happened. Um, it was, uh, what was it? Charlotte had... Uh, did she have the figure eight on? Um, yeah, so she had she had Bianca the figure, eight, figure on, eight. Yeah, then Oscar blew the mist in yes. Charlotte's face. She was getting ready to go, but uh, they still uh, had. Let's try this again. Missed in the face of Charlotte, but Charlotte still had the now figure four on Bianca. Asuka is going to attack Bianca. Bianca rolls Asuka up for the victory. It was super seen, and that's when the first thing I was like, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? That was my knee-jerk reaction. I was like, what the fuck is this? This is some John Cena bullshit. And I said it. It's like, James <laughs> right? it's like 3.30 at this point, probably a little earlier, but it's like 3 o'clock hour in the morning. I'm like, what the fuck? I'll be, you know, just cursing like nobody's business. And I'm like, dude, I'm pissed now because I'm not pissed because Bianca won. It has nothing to do with Bianca. I like Bianca. Dare I say I love her. Great with the fans. Great baby face. You know, athletic, yada, yada, yada. She wasn't the longest reigning uh, champion in this, you know, modern day for nothing. But this this was not the way I wanted to, to see that happen, especially on Oscar for God's sakes. I mean, damn, of all people, you know, of anybody that feels the least over of the three, it always feels like Oscar. But she has, you know, she's done this, she's won that, she's done, you know, she's the most, she's probably the most decorated of the bunch, you know, not as many as. Uh, title reigns is Charlotte, but I mean, you know, she's won Money in the Bank. She's won Royal Rumble. She, you know, NXT, this, that, other. You know, Asuka has a variable checklist of shit, of accomplishments that she's done, but she feels like the least over. And when Bianca rolled her up, I was like, man, fuck this shit. And then it happened. And then 
EOS guys, music hits, and the crowd had already popped for a title change, and then they went even crazier for this. Um, and EOS guy just saved the day because this mm-hmm. is what people are going to remember. They're not going to remember how bad the match was. Um, and EOS guy comes in, cashes before, in. Before you go in, did you think Bailey was going to cost EO the cash in? Uh, I didn't. Whenever I heard that, I was I just I was really hoping because they have done so many. Instead of before, they've done so many failed cash-ins with the women, and I really hope that they would not do that with Eos Sky. Um, and so it wasn't in my head. I was, you know, I, I just thought that they were just going to let her cash in. I would be lying if I said I didn't at least think about it. Obviously, with the the few times, maybe let's just say twice <clears throat> that Eo tried to cash in Bailey somehow some way was in the middle where she didn't give the briefcase fast enough to the referee or didn't get the the briefcase you know from the desk or whatever the case may be in that scenario so you know that in my head that's why I was like you know is Bailey going Bailey might fuck this shit up and that that's going to really piss me to fuck off but no I agree with you totally I remember the Bianca finish because it's something that I didn't see coming and it immediately made me mad because I'm like, come on, you know, she's basically on one leg, but she can roll people up, you know, in the middle of a figure four. I mean, you know, God love Bianca, but can we take the cape off of her for Christ's sake? But then EO sky came in and just basically made her SummerSlam moment, her, you know, WWE moment, you know, she'll always go down in history for this one. So, yeah, uh, she saved this match for sure because it was, to me, this was the low point of the night. It was the worst match of the night. And I'm not, God knows, I'm not burying it because it's women. It was just bad, okay? It's like you said, they were trying to do too much. And I, I, I applaud the effort, but damn, this was just clunk E as a motherfucker. And if EO if if it would have just ended with Bianca winning, whew, we'd have had some words for this one. This has been worst match of WWE for twenty twenty three, you know, in the you know, running for the beefer. EO Sky saved that motherfucker from being on the list as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and it is surprising they're going to give somebody an eight-second title run that they didn't give it to Charlotte. Um, <laughs> just a pattern number, you know? I was thinking that, too. I'm like, watch this bitch win. I swear to God. Man, damn. I don't have, like I said, ultimately, they did. They got the the right person to have the title. How you got there for, like, 30 seconds, I was pissed off, and I was like, wait a minute. Bianca's hurt. And then as soon as I said that, it's like, you know, EO's music hit. I was like, okay, all right, just, okay, let's, let's see how this thing plays out before I get really, really pissed. And they got, they, eventually they got it right. Just the match itself, getting there, mm, that car was busted up by the time they pulled up to the, to the uh, destination spot. And, you know, smoke's coming off, you know, you, the wheels are clanking the whole nine yards. So, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was not a very good look by the time they got there, but, EO winning the title, like you said, saved that match. Let's talk about the main event. Uh, main event uh, started out awesome with Jay Uso's entrance. Uh, looked good. He had the like the white lay on, and he came out. And man, I posted this online on the Friends of BFR, but like 
Jay Uso just has it, right? Like he he has the connection to the fans uh, so much more than Jimmy. Um, you know, really almost even more than Roman. Roman's obviously a bigger star, but he just has like a connection with the fans. Um, and there's a fantastic shot where he's like getting ready to get in the ring and he climbs up and they're doing the, you know, the down sense and he's like waving his hands up and down. There's like a sea of people just waving their hands up and down like that thing, that shot, uh, I feel like will be like in video packages, you know, for Jey Uso, no doubt. Uh, you know, long time, you know, down the road, but um, really, really good stuff. And then uh, it just slowed down from there. Uh, a friend of the show, uh, Patriot Pat, uh, said he watched the Shawn Michaels Bret Hart Iron Man match during Roman Reigns' entrance. I thought that was very funny. And um, this was just—it was so—it was so slow. And usually, you know, they have these tighter pay-per-views, like we said. And then, you know, this was like—it was the same match that we've seen over and over. And it works when you have a legitimate contender for the title, but there wasn't a single person when they, they said there's like 50,000 people in that building. I bet maybe two of them at most thought that Jey Uso might even have a chance at winning. It, and you can't just run a match the same way whenever you don't have, um, you know, a contender. And besides the fact that it was, you know, 35 minutes and it could have been 15 and it was getting late and, you know, everybody's getting tired. Um, this to me is like kind of where the bloodline uh, storyline has jumped the shark. And I know that you can make some sense out of it, but it just seems at this point, like they're dragging it out. Um, I understand the, the, the bit with solo where, you know, Reigns accidentally speared solo and there was like a point of contention there. That makes sense. Right. Right. Plant that seed because right. eventually, like I, like I've said, you know, in the past, this Roman Reigns storyline is him rising up, having everything, the bloodline having everything, and then Roman Reigns slowly losing everything to become, you know, a, a destitute uh, tribal chief. Um, at least that's in my head, like, where they're going with it. But, the you know, the Jimmy Uso thing, like, like they're probably going to, they're probably going to have some, you know, kayfabe reason why, you know, you know, Jimmy gets overlooked whenever he's gone or like whatever. Um, or maybe Jay made the decision for him to leave the bloodline and he didn't actually get a chance to make it like whatever. Um, it just didn't seem logical. It, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? He pulls him out of the mm-hmm. ring. Like you're going to wait, you're going to do this 30 minutes, 35 minutes into the match. Like just come out at the first part. Like save us all some fucking time here. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, no, I was hot. I was like, dude, you have got to be kidding me right now. I knew that Jimmy would be out. It was just, you know, when it was going to happen. Solo was going to be. And did, did you think that he was going to interfere on behalf of Roman Reigns? Fuck I thought no. he'd be out. No, I thought he'd be out, but I figured he would be the equalizer. Yeah, totally. And then that's how you get, you know, somehow, you know, Solo and Jimmy, you know, fighting to the you know the crowd or whatever or they fight up the ramp and then you have the one-on-one match that Roman ultimately wins I yeah. mean everybody I guess I guess some people have forgotten that let's rewind the tape Jimmy is the guy that 
through the first salvo of you or the first the kick heard round the world. Okay, that was Night of Champions, if I'm not mistaken, when he kicked Roman yeah, Reigns. You're right. He's the one who started it. Okay, this doesn't make any sense. Thank you. How now all of a sudden we go from that to Solo and Roman basically putting him on the shelf, getting him hurt to now he's going to help Roman slash hurt his brother. That makes no sense. Zero, 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 zero. There is no way you the way that this story has been told, it cannot they are going to have to do some serious talking on SmackDown tomorrow night. And I wish we didn't record on Thursday because I need to hear this shit because it doesn't make sense. They had advertised that Jimmy's coming back to the bloodline. And what the fuck? That, that whole, it was a swerve to do a swerve. It, I don't yeah. care if you like, want to so get. For those who are unfamiliar with the term, jumping the shark. Yeah, you're not saying uh, you're about to date us. (laughs) It's when when a creative work or entity has reached a point in which it has exhausted its core intent and is introducing new ideas that are discordant with or in an over-exaggeration of its original purpose. That sounds exactly like this moment. Like, you're done. Like, you have no more stories to tell and you're just recycling, you know, Bit, you know, uh, bits, punchlines, and, and and story moments. Uh, it's it's over the top. I get you, Jimmy and Jay want their own feud. I could totally get that. This ain't the way to go about it. This makes zero yeah, sense. Zero. I know. I think I saw somewhere that their that their dream is to have like a WrestleMania moment where it's it's the two of them, and they'll probably get that this year if this is the case. But. <laughs> There's Dude. so many other ways to do that. Uh, I think it doesn't I, have to involve Roman. I think that uh, it's like 35 weeks between now and WrestleMania. You're going to drag this thing out for eight months? How the fuck are you <laughs> going to do that? And this is good. That's what I'm there's saying. There's babies that are going to be conceived tonight that are going to be born and healthy before this match. Okay. I'm like, there's no way you can make this thing go that long. They're starting to have a hard enough time, you know, getting Cody and Roman at this point where now you're getting into next year's WrestleMania. For those who said that Cody should have won at WrestleMania this year, this is a great, you know, argument for that because now I won't say the Cody story is suffering, but it's going back to an obvious, well, not an obvious, but a familiar feud, him versus Seth. And now you have this story, the bloodline story that most people, including myself, have said it's the best story in WWE going on right now. Now you've made an, an illogical choice to where you got to have to now explain to why Jimmy has said, okay, you know what? Hey, I made a mistake, Roman. I didn't mean to kick in your face. Now I want to come back and be a part of the bloodline. <laughs> that doesn't, come on, yeah. man. That doesn't even make, that's ultimately how this is going to sound like it's going to happen because now as advertised, if they go advertise, Jimmy's coming back to the bloodline. So basically he's going to have to, you know, kiss the ring and all that other bullshit to Roman. That doesn't make sense. The whole reason that he kicked him in the mouth because he was he was out of pocket, and he wanted to keep the family together. Roman just didn't want to do it. So fine, fuck it. You, this is what I. This is what you should have done a long time ago. Boom, kick in the mouth. Yeah. Anyway, what's your what's your letter grade? 
Man, 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 man. Uh, C minus. It's, it's just, it's too clunky for me. The, the the main event makes no sense. The triple threat was, was clunky until EO saved it. Ronda Shayna, not necessarily a great match. You know, it was physical. I get it. Um, he had a good start. The first two or three. Drew and Gunther kind of underperformed a little bit, but I think they did it purposely. C minus. Yeah, I was, I'm not too far off. I thought C-plus, um, just because half the matches were good and two out of the three were very, very good. Um, and um, Or two out of four, like half, yeah. So I'll give it a C-plus. Um, but, yeah, definitely going in, I thought this was a potential for, like, a, a an A-minus a, or A-level show. But No, it, it, it was all right there. I just, god damn, it, was, it had me so ready to be hyped up and talk great things about SummerSlam because they've been doing so well. And it's, it's the couple of matches. It's unfortunately the two women's matches. And then the main event finished for me, just, I don't know how you're going to explain this one out. I just, I don't get it, but neither here nor there. We'll talk about that next week. Um, Just one side note. I didn't talk about because obviously Raw was the next, well, not the next night, Monday night. Um, Nakamura obviously turns on Seth Rollins at the end of Monday Night Raw. So it looks like Nakamura and Seth is going to be a a thing probably coming at payback, kind of pushing off uh, Cody and Seth for to maybe Survivor Series. I'll just ask you flat out. Are you interested in the Cody Seth four? Um, I mean they've all been great, but not really. I want to. There's so many matchups that you can have. Like I know that not everybody's at the top, but like, um, and they have like kind of a smaller roster than AEW. But I don't know. We we saw it three times, and yeah, it was excellent. But just let it breathe, man. Let it breathe until, like, Cody wins the title and then it's Seth, like, challenging. And then you're just like, oh, man, like, he already beat him three times. Like, can he can he overcome, you know? I don't want to see Cody beat Seth a fourth time because I don't think Cody should really lose until WrestleMania. I don't think he should lose then either. Mm, damn. Things going to get real interesting here in the next couple weeks. Let's get to that two count. All right, so with two count, we're going to do, uh, what do I want to do? You didn't watch completely all of that, so let's talk a little G1. Bye-bye, Mike. We'll see you in about 30 minutes. Um, we're going to talk about the last four, well, I'm sorry, last five nights. So we're talking A through D block final and the quarterfinal, which was actually this morning. So let's talk about the A block final first. Um, matches of concern. You had Sonata. Well, I shouldn't even say that. Um, Sonata had won the block at this point. Uh, he had come in with a wrap on his left arm. So that was a kind of a concern coming into the Chase Owens match, neither here nor there. Sonata wins it, runs the block, um, completes the block undefeated, all 12 points. Some, but the arm is something to look forward to going forward. From there, you had uh, Renarita and Kaito Kiyomiya in a match. 
that Kaito Kiyomiya had to win and he didn't win. So that makes me look like a big ass dumbass because I said when this thing started that Kaito Kiyomiya was probably the one guy that I was pretty sure that was going to move forward and advance to the quarterfinals because of guys like um, Kojima and uh, Yuji uh, Nagata having success over in Noah, over in uh, all Japan. I was thinking that New Japan would return the favor and throw Kayo Kiyomiya a bone. Clearly, I was mistaken. I'm thinking maybe this might be storyline for when he goes back to Noah. That's another story for the Phoenix Splash podcast. Um, from there, you had then Shota Umino and Hikaleu in the main event, which was kind of weird until you figured out that the winner was going to get the runner-up spot. Obviously, Sonata has the A block one spot, so the winner of Hikaleu and Shota Umino was going to take the second spot. And Hikaleu pulls this shit out. We was talking dirty about him on multiple different podcasts, including this one. And Hikaleu comes out of the ashes and takes the dub. So, A block winners. You have Sonata in the, the winning spot, the number one spot. And then the number two spot, the runner up spot, is Hikaleu. Thoughts on the A block matches? Uh, I thought this was a really good night of wrestling. Uh, the. Uh, Yoda Suji Gabe Kid match was really good. I was just getting ready to uh, talk about that. Yeah, uh, Gabe Kid. This is the one where Gabe Kid comes. Yeah, comes out and beats up Yoda Suji early, like he does for everybody. But then Yoda Suji standing behind him, and I'm like, <laughs> "What?" And I'm like, "Am I being super racist right now, or does that dude look exactly <laughs> like Yoda?" Suji? Man, I'm like, "How high am I right now?" This is man. I know it's pretty late, but <laughs> god damn, <laughs> what the I fuck? Know. It's so nuts, uh, but apparently he does have an identical twin, and they both have long hair and everything. Like, he looked exactly like Dude, him. He yeah. was a little less big. Yeah, but I mean, but, when they were like they were both on the ground at one point, when the uh, gay kid had them both down, like, oh yeah, I can see how they got confused. <laughs> He's a little smaller, but yeah, in the face, you got to take a little closer look. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that was very funny, um, and you know, it turned into a good match. I also. Uh, I couldn't believe that Renderita beat Kaimia, especially because Renderita hasn't won that many matches. And overall, I mean, this was solid, but Renderita out of the three three Musketeers is probably the least impressive to me over the course of this whole G1. And I would not have thought that uh, because I'm kind of a big fan. I like Renderita. I like his style. I like, you know, he's like kind of the... Um, he's the, the anti-shoulder. He is the anti-show to, uh, God, I, I'm just like blanking. My, my wife was just calling me and I, I lost, uh, anyway, the, the trainer from the LA dojo and he's the ROA Shibata. champion. Shabata, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Katsuyori Shabata. He's like that, you know, guy. And I, I like that gimmick. Just like the black tights and like right. I'm the shooter, badass dude. Um, but it, you know, he's not clicking like the other guys are clicking. The other guys are like real, real good. And that said, this was like show to Umino. I, even though in a loss, I thought he came across fantastic. I thought this was the best Hikaleo match I've ever seen, which is, I think is saying something for both guys because he did wrestle Jay White and beat him. And I Jay was White just getting ready to ask you about phenomenal. that. Yeah, I thought this was the best Hikaleo match ever. I love Chris Charlton's commentary when he, he's saying, like, and Shota Umino finds out that he is not the main character in this story. And I was like, ah, that's like a really tough lesson for a young guy, right? Especially when he's got like, uh, a lot of star parts. This is like all building stories. 
Mm-hmm. Um, really good, really good stuff. Um, you know, we're witnessing like the genesis of, you know, the next generation of New Japan. And uh, it's really cool. But uh, yeah, it was a good night of wrestling. No, I agree. Uh, when we were t- doing the G1, you know, preview or whatever hickaway was not getting a lot of love and for for me for good reason you know he and then he started to come out of the the a block you know stumbling out of it i think he lost his first three and now at this point he won uh he lost his first three and then won his last four in a row if i'm not mistaken so yeah he's on he was on a four match winning streak going into the quarterfinals and we'll talk about that in a second next night was the b block uh final um, in this scenario, you had Okada already moving, advancing. He had had the, the number one spot locked up. So now you basically had um, ELP and Will Ospreay battling between themselves. The winner would go on and claim the second spot. Um, I thought this was the, probably the match of the tournament now at this point. I know I said Osprey okada was the match of the tournament. This just turn on a super kick coming will osprey was springboarding off of one uh side of the ring coming to the other and he's been doing this pretty much all tournament when he's gotten guys outside of the ring beating them down and as soon as they come in he'll springboard off the top and land him with a drop kick he does tries to do this to elp elp just i mean one of the sweetest super kicks you have seen in a minute flush on the jaw osprey sells the dog shit out of it and from that point this whole match turned on the dime this was probably easily uh elp's best match of the tournament and maybe one of his better matches i've seen in new japan itself unfortunately for elp he comes out as the hard luck loser will osprey pulls out the victory so in the b block you had Osprey as the runner-up and Okada winning the block. Other matches in that block, final block night. Kenta goes over Yoshihashi. Great Okan finally comes off the uh, the side of the milk carton. Taichi kind of pushing Great Okan felt like a little Sonata episode. You know, you might want to put that in the back of your mind, see if that comes to pass. And then obviously we talked about Okada beating Tangaloa and then ELP losing to Will Ospreay. Thoughts on the B-Block final night? Yeah, I mean, the only match worth talking about was the Will Ospreay um, ELP match, and it was fucking awesome. I expected that match to be really good. Uh, I like both guys a lot. They complement each other very well, and, man, they delivered. And uh, he's a really good dude. Like, uh, ELP is, like, really good generally, but I feel like Osprey like elevated him uh, quite a bit there. Um, mm-hmm. I will mention the Okada Tangaloa just because of how goddamn bad it was. Like, uh, dude, like Tangaloa does this like stupid spot where he's kind of like chopping and like jabbing with like the outside of his hand and like Okada's doing his best to like sell this shit, but it just looks terrible. Yeah, that, and, I, did, uh, I think it was just because the camera was so close so you could really see you know how he was quote unquote hitting Okada. Yeah. Um not a good look. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite of it's like the opposite of Ishii. Like from what I understand, like from what I've heard is like Ishii looks like he's murdering you. Oh yeah. I, I can't remember who who it was. I think it was maybe Moxley. Um he was saying how uh Ishii is so great to work with not only because he's so good, but like 
he looks like he's laying it in and you don't feel a goddamn thing. Like he, he's barely touching you, but he really looks like he's laying it in. He's just like that good. Um, this is the exact opposite of that, but, uh, no, uh, outside of the main event, like if you haven't watched them, just watch that. and Don't worry about the rest. True story. Let's talk about the C block C block. Probably the, the most intriguing block just for the fact that you had multiple guys, Tied at the top, uh, Eddie Kingston, um, Evil, and David Finley all tied with eight points. Shingo and Tomatonga tied at seven points. So, obviously, there is going to be some movement happening. Let's talk about the, the opening match first because it's Ishii and Mikey Nichols. Um, once again, I think if there's any question about whether Tomuro Ishii should come back for next year's G1, Maybe you should go ahead and plug this Joker in and just make sure that everybody sees this. It's literally from the bell. They met in the center of the ring and squared the fuck off. It's not big meaty men slapping meat. It's just men slapping meat and they slapped some meat. It was probably it was a really good start for the C block night. Uh, Tamatanga beats Hanare, so Tamatanga moves to nine points at this point. He leads the C block. Next matchup was the two guys tied with eight points at at the time Eddie Kingston and David Finley never openweight champion versus the new Japan strong openweight champion I thought that was a cool look with them kind of squaring off before the uh the match even opened up unfortunately for Eddie Kingston his kind of Cinderella ride comes to an end he loses to David Finley a little fuckery involved shocker of the century but neither here nor there David Finley wins so he moves up to 10 points and quenches the number one spot for the C block so now you have Evil versus Shingo. Evil at eight points, Shingo at seven points. So let's do the quick math. Shingo wins. He gets tied with Tamatanga. If that happens, Tamatanga and Shingo have to have a match afterwards to see who wins the runner-up spot. Obviously, Evil at eight points. If he wins, he gets the number one, or the second spot behind David Finley. I'll say this. As a non-House of Torture fan, I knew there was going to be some fuckery. I knew it. I have never in my life gotten so worked up about a House of Torture match that I did with this motherfucker right here. I mean, literally, I guess it was the fact that it was LIJ involved, and then they finally came out, and I was like, okay, now it's on, motherfuckers. Shingo about to handle this shit. And unfortunately, Shingo loses again. Evil wins the runner-up spot. So, C-Block winner, David Finley, runner-up spot, Evil. I, 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 I don't know how people like House of Torture. I just don't get it. I don't fucking get it. Talk to me people about like the C-Block. No, there's people that actually like House of Torture. <laughs> Believe it or not, there are motherfuckers out there that actually like that crazy shit. I'm like, wow, I just... I get. I don't mind the heels. Actually, I prefer heels. Baby faces are idiot. See Seth Rollins on Monday Night Raw, but this is like way over the top. Where like it's the same. It's it's the Roman Reigns argument about the bloodline. Now we're seeing the same shit, and now it's costing Shingo, you know, his spot in the uh, the quarterfinals. I probably, like I said, I probably wouldn't have gotten this worked up if it was. United Empire. 
I think if Tomohiro Ishii is not in future G1s, it's a travesty. He's the MVP of like every single one of them. And uh, his match with Mikey Nichols was very, very fun. Um, yeah, Kingston and Finley was fun because of the, the standoff. And I mean, Kingston ultimately did uh, very well uh, mm-hmm. for like, you know, a guy Jean and Trent. And, um, dude's living his best life. I mean, he's meeting all his fucking heroes. He's, you know, wrestling in, you know, arenas that he's always dreamed about, you know, wrestling in, but only seen on TV. So, yeah, he's all, he's doing all right. Yeah. Uh, I shared on the, uh, on our text thread, um, a video of him mm-hmm. meeting, uh, Toshiaki Kawada, who, I mean, if you haven't seen any Kawada matches, like there's a reason that Eddie Kingston idolizes this dude. Like he wears his colors in the ring, the black and the yellow. Um, and you can see his influence all over, but his matches with Mr. Hiro Misawa, I mean, his, uh, six, three that Kingston mentions in that video, whenever he met him, uh, I, I watch it like every year. It was the first ever six star match from Meltzer. So, I mean, this is 1994. So we're talking like all the people got mad about, uh, Okada and Omega and all that. It's like, He's been busting his own star rating for <laughs> way longer than that, folks. Uh, it, just so, t- it just took Okada and Omega to get his, get it to that point. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, absolutely uh, very funny. And then uh, the next night, though, uh, which I, I won't get into, I'll let you lead off. But uh, Kingston was on commentary, so yes. I texted and Bill's like, "Yeah, he's like they were talking about it on commentary." That's the only, the only night of the entire G one that I watched silently because I was uh, working and I couldn't have sound on uh, while I was working. So I just had it on in the background and it's the mad. It's, I'm going to have to rewatch it because I love Kingston on commentary. So I'll probably end up rewatching the, the D block night. But uh, yeah, of course it would be that, that night that I miss out on. But anyway, uh, this was, this was fine. It was mostly there. I was not happy about the evil situation. Hey, I kind of wanted to see an extra bonus match because I think that's fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you, I'm like, you know, so they're explaining what's happening in Japanese. I'm kind of like, oh, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, bullshit or whatever, playing with the cats. And then finally, you know, Kevin Kelly's like, oh, oh, I'm like, what, what's going on? <laughs> so they break it all down. I'm like, oh, you fucking evil, you motherfucker. If you win this match, I'm going to be pissed. So, yeah, that on top of it is the cherry on top. You, we could have had a bonus match on, on principle alone. And now you have evil go over. I'm like, dude, fucking suck my dick, evil. I hate you. It also ass. just, yeah, it also makes it feel more like a real tournament because like just telling us about the possibility. Yeah, that's kind of cool, but like make it a, make it happen. You know, it's fake. You can make it happen. Why <laughs> <laughs> y'all motherfuckers trying to make make this square peg round hole thing go? Man, we gonna do this shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the Matrix. We gonna make this shit fit. God damn it! <laughs> That's some funny shit. No, I I can't say I totally disagree, but I'll just I'll say this: there was a the press conference before the G one. Um, Evil called himself Mister G one, which now, upon retrospect, is kind of being scary because you know he he's gotten into the quarterfinals. We'll talk about that here in a second. Um, but he also said that if he didn't get into the quarterfinals, that he would shave his head bald in the middle of the ring. And that was another side story leading into this Shingo match where basically Shingo, you know, could, you know, win the match, you know, have this play in match with Tama Tonga and evil has to shave his head bald. You know, I 
I couldn't imagine a perfect world unless Halle Berry was in it. That being said, you would have a scenario where I still think it's going to happen. I think hair versus hair is ultimately going to be the end of this Shingo evil feud. I don't know where it's going to happen, but somehow, some way, I think hair versus hair is how this is going to end. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Just throwing it out there, weird thought. I just, they keep throwing the Clippers out there, and that was kind of a, a running side story. I forgot to mention that in the lead into the evil Shingo match, but the LIJ and me got to go uh, ahead of myself. All right, let's talk about D Block final nights on the 9th of August. Uh, you had Jeff Cobb coming in, like we said last week, leaking oil, losing uh, two matches in a row, sitting at eight points. You had ZSJ at eight points, uh, Naito. Ooh, excuse me, at eight as well. And then Tama uh, Tonga, I can't read my own handwriting. Tanahashi at six, Goto at six. Uh, we'll start the first match because obviously it's a match that I want to talk about because that's a match that Yano loses. He loses to, uh, not Shane Coughlin, Alex Coughlin, where Gabriel Kidd comes out and assists um, Alex Coughlin to a point where Yano kind of loses his shit and, you know, goes back Dude, to an old I, Yano. I was, like, what I the was, fuck is I this? Phil <laughs> was here so bad. Yeah, I was uh, like, Dude, who is this motherfucker? He came up with the scissors like, I'm going to stab the shit out your ass. I was like, oh, 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 okay. Sorry, Yano. I forgot you had this side in you. That was to me one, and that's all I ever ask, okay? Every now and then, I just need Yano to fucking snap. Okay, come you have out. To put through somebody through a table, right? <laughs> Remind motherfuckers of how you used to be, Yano. That's all I ever ask. Outside of that, it's all day, every day. Fuck Yano. But this match was intriguing. I had to put the asterisk by it because the match itself wasn't the best match in the world. It wasn't five star, but this was a flashback to the old Yano. Thoughts on the flashback to the old Yano getting ready to stab Alex Coffin with some scissors? Yeah, uh, that was that was very. Very funny, um, and like fu- like funny in a different way, right? Because Yano matches are <laughs> they're funny to me, but this was like like I was just like, oh, okay, and then he's like he's like two on one, right? Gabe Kid and Alex Coughlin, and their whole thing is about like beating people up and like manhandling them, and he's like two v like one v twoing them, like right? he's got chairs <laughs> and uh, yeah scissors, and he puts Gabe Kid through a goddamn table and has him bleeding out his elbow. I, I was, was like, like, this is awesome. Okay, I was like, God. Damn, this is the Yano I can get with. Shit, and I'll fuck everybody up. Okay, now we're talking. So yeah, finally, a Yano match that I actually like. You can mark it down. August 9th, 2023, Alex Coughlin gets the win, but Yano finally comes out and shows a mean streak that I've, it's rare that I've seen him have since I started watching New Japan Pro Wrestling. Next up, you had Shane Haste versus Jeff Cobb. So like I said, Jeff Cobb is leading the block at eight points. If he wins, he's in. If you don't know, Shane Haste is a part of TMDK. Also a part of TMDK, one Zach Saber Jr. So the story here is Zach Saber Jr. talks Shane Haste into making sure that Jeff Cobb gets this squad. Well, better choice of words, it would be a count out. So that way it would count as a draw and you would get a point. So at one point, you have Jeff Cobb and Shane Haste on the outside of the ring. Shane Haste grabbing onto Jeff Cobb's leg for dear life and then wrapping his legs around the guardrail. 
Jeff Cobb can't get in to the ring fast enough to beat the 20 count. Both guys get a point, but Jeff Cobb, the biggest loser, we'll talk about that here in a second because immediately they're up. You had Zack Sabre Jr. versus Goto. Now, Zack Sabre Jr. is in a spot where he was going to lose the tiebreaker because if they, if he and Jeff Cobb both ended with 10 points, Jeff Cobb beat Zack Sabre Jr. straight up. So now Jeff Cobb would have the tiebreaker. But now if, Jeff Cobb, now, if Zack Sabre Jr. wins, he will have 10 points and will leapfrog Jeff Cobb. And that's exactly what he does. Zack Sabre Jr. wins. He now has at 10 points. Jeff Cobb's at 9 points. So now you have the main event coming up. Unfortunately, at this point, the ace... Tanahashi was eliminated coming in to this match. He had six points. So no matter what happens, he is out. So all the pressure is on my boy Naito to win and end. If he wins, he wins the top spot. And obviously, if he loses, then Jeff Cobb takes the second spot where Zack Sabre Jr. will get the top spot. Unfortunately for, yeah, for Jeff Cobb, Naito pulls out the dub. I thought this was the Tanahashi's best match of the tournament. It always feels like somehow, some way, he pulls it out when he needs to. And I thought this was one of the better matches of both guys' tournament. To me, this was Tanahashi's best match. Naito's had some hits, some misses, neither here nor there. I think he will step it up here in a little bit, but we'll talk about that in there in a second. D-Block thoughts on the ninth. Go to Three Bear. Uh, yeah, very fun double count out. Uh, I love the storyline aspect of it. So, uh, it was well done. Uh, I'm a huge Goto fan and huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan. And this match absolutely ruled. Like I said, even though I watched it completely on silent with no sound, um, it was awesome with no sound. I can't even imagine what it was like otherwise. And absolutely same for Tanahashi Naito. Um, definitely Tanahashi's best match of the tournament. I really liked the Zack match. Uh, also, mm. but uh, they always work well together. This was next level, though, because this is Tanahashi. Uh, this is Big Mac Tanahashi, you know, right. pulling out all the stops. Um, there's a very sad thing that somebody once told me, and it kind of, like, changed the way that I actually, like, view uh, the world and kind of like a, a lifestyle-like thing where it was like, um, you know, one time you're going to pick your kid up, right, and you're going to hold your kid, and you're going to set them down. And then that will be the last time that you ever pick them up. But you don't think about that in the moment, right? Uh, you just you pick up your kid and right. you set them down. Uh, but there is a last time, right? And every time I see Tanahashi do the high fly flow from the top to the outside, which he only pulls out for mm -hmm. the big matches, mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm like, that could legitimately be the last time, right? Like that's a, he's been doing that for goddamn ever. And I mean, he's the ace. And at one point, that's going to be the last time that he does that. And right. we're not going to know in the moment, but we're going to look back and we're going to be like, oh, yeah, that was it. Um, now, he pulled that joker out. I was like, okay, it's on. God damn it. <laughs> like, son of a bitch. This motherfucker ain't going to go down quietly. You motherfucker. He had me twice on the inside cradles, you know, especially in the first 10 seconds. I could easily seen that happen. There was one late in the match where. He had uh, Naito with another inside Quadro, and that was pretty close to uh, yeah, the three count. Be, that seemed to be the story. Like I said, I wasn't watching with commentary, but a lot of cradles. That seemed to be the story of the match was uh, almost happened with an inside cradle early, and then they ended up, you know, doing that kind of like over and over. Um, who was going to kind of 
snag the other. And I liked that it wasn't, it was a big match feel, but it told a different story. It wasn't like multiple destinos or anything. We did get high fly flow. We did get aces high. We did get all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, Naito won with a tornado DDT cradle. Right. You know, so in that scenario, the inside cradle, even from last year when Naito seemed like he was having it, well, it didn't seem like it. He was having a run where he just rolled people up with the inside cradle. This kind of came into play. So a nice little callback uh, to that little run. So now we have the quarterfinal set that was this morning. So um, to go back and, well, I'll just kind of explain it as we go along. Uh, first matchup, you had Hikaleu, who was the runner-up in A block versus Naito, the winner of the D block. Naito goes over. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, because I'm the Naito guy, and I'm not going to sit up here and lie. I never thought that Naito was ever in trouble. There was maybe one point where the choke slam happened, and this is where I was concerned that it could actually go south. From that point, once he kicked out of that, I was like, okay. I kind of felt confident in the fact that Naito was going to go over. Hikaleo had a great run. The fact that he even made the quarterfinals, I thought was an accomplishment considering the way he was booked to start. I just don't think he's ready for G1 semifinal level just yet. I'm still just getting past the fact of how poorly he's been booked up to this point, but hopefully that will change moving forward. Second quarterfinal, you had David Finley, the winner of C block versus Will Ospreay, the runner up in B block. This bad boy was crazy off the bat. Uh, Will brings out uh, the war dogs, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn comes out for United Empire. Tables broken, all kinds of crazy shit. Jeff Cobb gets thrown out from ringside. Will Ospreay wins a wild, wild quarterfinal match. He advances. So now one quarter or one semifinal is set. You have Naito versus Will Ospreay. So the next two matches, winners face off against each other. Evil defeats Sonata. A part, of, a part of me thinks that this might be trying to protect Sonata's arm, but I also think that this is storyline as well. Sonata had been rowing through the A block, obviously, like I said, undefeated through the A block, and the first loss he has is to his former tag team partner in Evil, so obviously somehow, some way, Evil's going to get a title shot. Jesus fucking Christ. And in the main event, you had ZSJ versus Okada. I thought this was the match of the night for obvious reasons. You can't have Zack Sabre Jr. and Okada in a match, and not, and it's not a 20-minute time limit where they can go a little further and get things done. Okada wins a barn burner. Zack Sabre Jr. damn near had Okada tied up in a pretzel. Of course, Okada gets out of that, and then you had a sprint towards the finish. So, the semifinals are set. That will be Saturday morning or Saturday night slash morning, wherever you are in this continental United States. Naito versus Osprey, Evil versus Okada. We'll hold off on those predictions for a second. Go ahead and talk about the D block. Yeah, I can't believe that Evil beat Sonata. Uh, that's just the worst thing that, you know, probably ever happened uh in history uh, <laughs> no the worst thing is when the evil beat naito for the double titles <laughs> yeah no that's true uh yeah i'm so dumb about torture it's just wild it's wild to me i figured 
you know, it's like, oh, maybe Okada beats Sonata, right? You know, or like something. Um, I know that's not really lining up or anything, but I don't know. We'll see how this plays out. But I didn't get a chance to watch. I'm actually having it on. It's on, on silence. This is actually my second night of the G1 that I'm watching on silent. Uh, right now, it's Finley versus Osprey, which is uh, shaping up pretty good. But I did not get a chance to see this. But as far as, like, results go, I was already thrown off because my block um, picks were not necessarily – uh, open, but my guy's like still in. I still got Naito to to win, so um, he's still in. And um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. But uh, oh, this should be a good next week. As much as I love the G one, I'm gonna be kind of happy that it's over. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I say this motherfucker's dragging me down the street. I'm like, God damn! It's five shows this week. You kidding me? It's back to back. What the fuck? <laughs> okay, so if I get up at six, now fast forward. I'm like, this is this is me. This is my life this week. Okay, this is how my life has been. If I get up at six, I gotta be at work at ten. Okay, so <laughs> it's been bonkers. I'm over here on fumes, and I'm I love the G1, but every year by the end, I'm just like, thank God this Joker's over. And I watch so much other shit on top of it, but that's my own damn fault. That's nobody else's fault. But yeah, this has definitely been a grind to say the least. So let's put the feet to the fire. Obviously, I'm assuming you're going to stick to your guns. You're going to take Naito over Will Ospreay. Yep. I feel like Will Ospreay's story is not uh, congruent with Sonata. I feel like Sonata's story is all about, you know, him separating from LIJ going off on his own and he needs to beat, you know, the leader of LIJ or lose, you know, ultimately like depending, um, you know, which one And I feel like Naito is a much bigger deal. You're trying to sell out the Tokyo dome. Naito is still a bigger star than Will Ospreay. Uh, and I just feel like Will Ospreay's path, you know, I feel like at Wrestle Kingdom, if they're not doing Wembley, um, they're going to do Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay 3 at, at Wrestle Kingdom. So that's where his path's taking him. Mm. All right. Evil versus Okada. Who you got? Um, God, I just hope it's Okada. <laughs> <laughs> I say, please, for the love of God, if you like me, don't make me snap Saturday night. Yeah. That's a funny shit. No, I, I'm sticking to my guns. I got... Osprey, unfortunately, beating my boy Naito, and then Okada. I just, he's gonna it's gonna be four on one, five on one, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna somehow say that the Rainmaker pulls that Joker out. So then you're gonna stick to the uh, you're gonna still say Naito wins G one, yeah. Yep, that's I'm, my that's my pick. I'm still sticking with Will Ospreay until you show me otherwise. Right now, arguably the best in the business. Let's get to that three count. Three beer. What's the three count? Uh, three count. Uh, we'll just talk briefly about Rampage for AEW because um, it's actually worth watching this week. <laughs> um, we had uh, Anna Jay and Sky Blue uh, fighting over who has the best ass in wrestling, and it turns out um, <laughs> it's still Sky Blue, even though she lost the match. <laughs> but yeah, that's the only thing I can see them fighting about, really, realistically. He's heating up! <laughs> but uh, 
And then uh, we, the main reason you should watch this, though, is for the parking lot fight. Absolute chaos. Uh, I was texting uh, the boys here, and I was like, dude, I was like, if I was 12 years old, this would have been my favorite match of all time. It was so chaotic. Like, they just destroyed so many cars and so many people with so many weapons. I mean, at one point, uh, Chuck Taylor is siphoning gas from a car so that he can light a, a board wrapped in barbed wire and cloth on fire. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Everything up to that point was pretty much like, okay, yeah, all right, yeah, okay, ooh, yeah, you know, ooh, damn, Trent's taking that work, man. Damn, Trent's taking, man, somebody needs to check on, check on uh, make sure Trent's okay. And then all of a sudden, they... <laughs> They turn to the the camera spot where you see Chucky e. T. <laughs> I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this, man? This shit is so wild. I was like, man, I would have been so mad at myself if I'd have never saw this match. It's easily one of the funniest fucking. It's one of the not graphic, but just over the top. Just guys just bleeding, you know, getting thrown in the windshields. Poor Sue's getting drugged out of the minivan. I mean, BCC is just running fucking amok, and none of that is even close to Chucky e. T. <laughs> Sniper gas. He like, you know what? Y'all gonna piss me off now. I'm gonna burn all you motherfuckers up. And then caught one in the stomach. I was like, God damn. <laughs> no, great fucking main event. If you haven't seen it, you need to go out your way to check the motherfucker out. Talk about Collision. Yeah. Uh, so Collision opened up uh, with an FTR title defense, which has pretty much kind of been the highlight <laughs> of Collision. Like, as a show, um, FDR has been the, I don't want to say unsung hero because they are stars of the show. But uh, like I was going to say the, the de facto world champion since there's not like a quote unquote real world champ. Oh, wait, there is. My bad. Go ahead. <laughs> they even call it that. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? You can't come up with a better name. I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with that. I, on the record, saying I don't like the dual belts and also the fact that the the actual real world champion hasn't even acknowledged it because it's like they're in different universes. These right. are just on different shows, especially with their history. You think MJF would like at least like have some oh my God. Snide, snide comment about it. I was but. about to say, you saw how quick he got on Adam Cole and, and when he thought there was going to be a promo battle. I mean, you would easily think that he'd been salivating at the, the prospect of getting, you know, some more uh, CM Punk. Yeah. But uh, regardless, uh, FTR, uh, they defeated Big Bill and Brian Cage, who are a very fun tag team. Mm. Uh, this Mogul Embassy, also we can talk about a little bit later, you know, when we talk Dynamite, but uh, man, Swerve was at like a point where he was like, you know, losing matches, which is fine, and he was just like with like a bunch of nerds, like that tattooed guy and stuff, and it just it wasn't clicking, and then they're like, alright, let's just put him with like this is like low key the best stable in AEW outside of you know you got your elite and your Michael Combat Club those are like top top guys right as far as like mid card like stables this, this thing's is it. pretty awesome and Brian Big Bill and Brian Cage are a great tag team and they they put them over on the loss you know uh, basically had a fun match and said you know like uh, you know we run up and down the card you know fifty eight minutes uh, all this uh, we just beat those big bastards you know like uh, <laughs> saying. It was it was tough, um, but uh, they called out the Young Bucks, and so just kind of the overarching story of Collision and Dynamite 
I'm just going to get it out there right now. I know my, my kind of, uh, my, my gimmick has been like the AEW mark, but I'm not necessarily <laughs> the AEW defender, right? I'm not really the defender because I will like call it like I see it. And as great as I think all in will be as a show and the matches that they're saying they're going to have and they're putting together only one of them. Well, I guess two of them like have stories, right? The rest is just, we're going to have this match. And like, so FTR just says young bucks. Um, and cool. Like FTR young bucks three, like that, that'll sell tickets on its own. And mm. they don't even need to sell tickets. They're going to nope. sell this thing out. Motherfuckers going to get rolled on the way in the Wembley at this point. Shit. But there's no, I know that they have history, but there's no story. Right. Right. Like, and uh, so that that's what happened. What, what, do you, what do you think? I was, I'm honestly surprised that you're not a, a little more stoked about this. I don't. To me, I don't even. I'm, think I'm he, very excited. I'm ready to get my fifty dollars now. Yeah, I was going to say Joey's going to take my ten bucks at uh, at some point in the next couple of weeks. I don't think. Do you need a story at this point? I think that it's just two teams that just want to just want to find out who's the better team. I think if I think if it was just that um it wouldn't be as bad right because that is like that is you know in and of itself you could you could do that but then you know we also had um Samoa Joe come out and um who did he wrestle he Serpentico right mm. I mean like the reason I couldn't remember this match was like <laughs> five seconds long yeah it was um, the fastest collision uh match in history and again like they have history right like right. a fantastic trilogy they had a really solid match on collision in the Owen Hart, you know, tournament, like semifinal, but that's like history. And the story is that Samoa Joe's not happy with a roll up finish, right? Like, and he's like, our story deserves more than that. Like that's okay, but it's not like, it's not very compelling. Yes, right. the match is great. The history will be there. The callbacks will be there. I think it's going to perform really well, but like, I think just two in one show where, Last week I was talking about, hey, you guys, we need some matches for these two pay-per-views that we're going to do. And then it was almost like Tony Khan was listening to BFR and he's like, yeah, you know, we really got to do these matches. Mm-hmm. Let's just go out there and just have, have guys say names. <laughs> you know, that's, that's not a story. That's not – and they're going to sell – they already sold the tickets. Right. They're going to sell the pay-per-views. But, like, it's going to be a great show, but it's not compelling yet. Maybe it will be. Maybe the build will be better over the next couple of weeks. But going out and saying a name, it's like pointing at the WrestleMania sign, right? Shit, Sting did that shit. I was going to say, I was like, I did. Yeah, he pointed at the, the Wembley sign. I'm like, yeah. come on, man, don't don't do this. I was about to say, don't do this. <laughs> now y'all going to be you already getting made fun of. You know, doing WWE shit. Now Sting's going to point to the fucking sign. You know what everybody's thinking? I mean, no, don't do that. Um, I guess I don't necessarily. I guess if you if I have a problem with either or not having a quote unquote story, it's probably more so Joe and Punk, especially with Punk, you know, coming out now, you know, he's the real world champion. And Joe, you know, made reference to that on more than one occasion, which I thought was a really, really good promo for the week. Uh, One of my favorites, you know, for all the wrestling I watched, this promo really stood out. But Joe does great mic work. Joe's just so good with his, his delivery. I can't wait to watch. He made me want to watch Twisted Metal. <laughs> like, I want to watch that shit on Peacock. It's a television series based on a beloved PlayStation 1 franchise. Uh, I mean, I played the shit out of that game, but like, if you were like, hey, do you want to see a, 
a TV show. You want to spend like what little free time you have watching a TV show based on a vehicular combat game from 25 years ago. I'd be like, eh, probably not. And then, like, Samoa Joe's in it. And I'm like, Oh what? yeah. <laughs> you shitting me. He made it compelling. So now that's why I think I'm invested in the match. I don't even really, I didn't even watch their ROH matches, so I can't speak intelligently on it, but I understand the history. I get it. But Joe, to me, is the one that's selling it. CM Punk, for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, he doesn't, you know, well, obviously it's come out now where, you know, he's the champ or whatever, quote-unquote champ. But I, I don't I don't feel like he's the champ. You know, like you said, MJF hasn't, you know, and you know even acknowledged his presence. You know, it's kind of a joke in certain spots. You know, Ricky Starks, you know, made a, you know, fun of it this, this week on, uh, well, not this week, but collision on Saturday and then the week before leading up to their uh, their match or whatever the case may be. It just doesn't feel real. You know, for lack of a better word, it just doesn't feel real. And I'm looking for, that's why I think another part of this missing is that it's CM Punk's doesn't feel like he is the champ. In my head, I, you know, he never lost. I get it. So, like I said last week, drunkenly, he's the real champion and MJF's the interim champion in my head. But I get why there is the disconnect because ultimately everybody's looking at MJF and Adam Cole, baby, as the probable main event for the AEW championship. I get that. At some point, my guess is Punk somehow beats Joe MJF somehow beats Adam Cole, baby. And then the following week, you have a unification match in Chicago, all in, all in Chicago, punk MJF, winner takes all. Yeah, that's likely. All right, so we did have a fun, fun trios match. Um, the only main reason I bring it up is because um, they uh, infringed upon our gimmick again. <laughs> uh, it was a house rules match where... Um, What's her name? Julia uh, Hart. Julia Hart was banned from ringside, uh, which officially uh, she is not. But if you want to come on the show, Julia, just come find us. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she, she, she could have been on the show tonight. I'm just saying, there's yeah. a spot open, Julia. Come on in, girl. You wanted to be on the show that bad. Yeah, right. But um, it was fun. Uh, they, they've been, these guys are great. Uh, it, them being trios champions, like um, they could – even if they lose the titles like sometime uh, in the near future, like I think all three of these guys are great singles wrestlers, but they make a really excellent team. And um, they, they provide very fun matches and just the trios thing. It gets more people on TV. Um, and I like, I like the house rules thing. I like the open challenge aspect of it. I like the fact that there can always be like a different weird stipulation, even if they aren't always hit. Um, no, I like, I like the, no, I like the match too. I, I, honestly, I think this is a, a possible precursor to just on the challenger side. If and when Dante comes back, uh, take Lee Johnson out, put Dante in, and you can have you know challengers for either the ROH or the AEW uh, six man slash trio titles. Um, another story for another time. House of Black just looks so good together. They work well together. Great chemistry. Um, Buddy Matthews losing to Andrade and then Andrade's um, vignette this week really makes me think it's not over yet. Now, how we get to uh, Wembley, you know, fingers crossed, 
LFI versus House of Black. That's the uh, the dream match in my head since we're throwing around dream matches and we just calling motherfuckers out. You know, somebody needs to call somebody out on, on either side of this fence so we could go to Wembley with that match. That's, you know, or uh, Malachi Black versus Andrade. Uh, more serious dream uh, matches, fantasy book and whatever you want to call it. Andrade, Malachi Black. Um is a possible like real real wife versus his ex ballet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's a with Zelina Vega on a pole match, right? <laughs> but like, who's pole? Oh, uh, <laughs> look at you! <laughs> you ain't shit. <laughs> but speaking of uh, awesome dream matches with no build, then they announced that next week. Uh, it's going to be uh, House of Black versus CMFTR. Like, that came out of nowhere. Yeah, it's going to be awesome, but um, okay. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> they, need, they, need, they need ratings. Saturday night's a tough night. Um, that's a great way to get them. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that kind of came out of nowhere. Nowhere. Um, speaking of coming out of nowhere, Powerhouse Hobbs, Rob, QT Marshall, and Harley Cameron <laughs> of a gold chain. Um, that was kind of random. We'll, we'll see where that goes. And oh. then, um, dude, Christian Cage. Oh my god! I do, not, I do not want Darby to take this title Ever. Like, at, at Chicago. Like no. Darby should not win this. No, um, I actually think that they should reunite uh, Jungle Boy uh, <laughs> and and all of them together, like as heels again, um, That's instead of baby faces. But <laughs> Christian is there with a small child who we find out is his daughter, mm. and he's like. She, she does such a great job. She's, like, looking very scared, and he's, like, holding her, like, against him, like, uh, so she won't run away. And then uh, she says, can I hold your belt? And he's like, did you win this title? <laughs> he's like, no. He's like, no, you can't hold this belt. Uh, and then he's like, go find your mother. And she walks away. And then he tells the carrier, like, hey, she's not credentialed. Get her out of here. <laughs> he's heating up. Just, just phenomenal. Oh man, no, dude! I rewound this three times. It's it's. <laughs> I mean, just watching Christian work his magic was oh, just so good, so good. God bless the daughter; she played it all perfect, and just Christian just took that ball and ran with it. it was like you know, like you said, doesn't have the the credentials. Line was the one that just really just had me dumpled on the fucking floor late Saturday night watching this shit. I thought it was just so well done. I agree with you totally. Darby Allen can win the TNT title at some later point. It just can't be right now. I don't. I do not want Christian to to go away this soon on a, a TNT run that could be absolutely a fucking Comedy Central epic ride. Not bloodline epic fun, but just funny in its own separate way have him continuously say it's his belt but then every now and then have to you know take a step back you know because Luchasaurus is there you know at some point he's going to have to wrestle for you it's our belt you know what I'm saying it's kind of like Friday you know it's our beach cruiser <laughs> yeah yeah He's my favorite TNT champion, and he's not even the TNT. Hell champion. no, that's what, and that's a goddamn shame. Okay, 
you, there's no way that Christian should be this over and be your favorite TNT or favorite AEW quote unquote champion. There's great guys in this fucking roster, but Christian has really stolen the show on Collision. I, I'm looking forward to him every week. I'm looking forward to see what he's doing next week. Yeah, uh, and then we had a couple of good matches, but we were talk about them um, for the sake of time. But Jay White defeated Metal League mm. in a very solid match. They keep putting them against Lucha guys, which is kind of a weird mix, but. Yeah. Um, I don't understand that, uh, but I mean, he's fantastic. And then uh, she beat Anna Jay. And um, yeah, like, uh, I mean, that was totally fine. Matt, again, like women in the main event, that's cool. It was a, a, a women's title match should have been in the main event, uh, especially if you were not going to have the tag titles in the main event. So um, yeah. Uh, then we go on to Dynamite. Let me pull up Dynamite here. You don't want to talk about Ricky Starks and CM Punk? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, we did have that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the real world style was up for grabs. <laughs> when was that? Was that? Was that? The, that wasn't the. That was the collision main event. That was the main event? Did I just turn it off? <laughs> I think I might have just turned it off. I, might, I don't even think I saw that. Oh, God. I think I thought damn. the women were the main event. I think I just turned it off. That's amazingly so you, fucking you talk funny. About it. Um, so obviously, I obviously care. I'm obviously invested in the storyline. Yeah, very much so. So obviously, the main event of Collision was Punk versus Ricky Starks for the quote unquote Real World Championship. Um, <laughs> How could I do that? <laughs> that is so fucking so funny. Uh, Ricky Steamboat as the special referee slash enforcer. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, it really didn't get interesting until Ricky Steamboat kind of had to get involved physically with Ricky Starks and CM Punk at different points. The CM Punk look on to uh, Ricky Steamboat was uh, intriguing. It got more intriguing when I, once I found out that they had a feud going in uh, ROH for a little bit. So I was like, okay, now, you know, there could be some fuckery going on. I don't see it, but, you know, throwing that nugget out there was good. Good job, uh, Ian Rio Um Honestly, I, I'll just go this far. The finish was what it was. CM Punk wins the match. It, but it it doesn't feel like this is over because Ricky Starks had CM Punk pinned, but he had the feet on the ropes, I think, or he had the arm on the ropes or one of the, whatever the case may be. Uh, Ricky Steamboat hits the arm off. There was a ref bump at this point. So then, you know, there was, there was action in the ring. They had to bring another ref in to actually make the count. And then post-match, Ricky Starks... Uh, attacks both CM Punk and well he actually attacks Ricky Steamboat CM Punk left the ring but had to come back to make the save uh Starks took off Ricky Steamboat's belt whipped him with it like a little dog and that's basically how the uh the show ended so it felt like it was a, once again meat left on the bone just because how the physical match ended uh I think it was like a row of victory or some shit like that where actually CM Punk won the match but then uh, post-match obviously with the whipping of Ricky Steamboat uh, CM Punk is kind of feeling like more of the baby face here where you're kind of angling Ricky Starks as more of a heel Um, even though the crowd was basically split I mean it was you know doing chance or whatever the case may be 
I'm assuming, you know, uh, TK wants people to boo Ricky and cheer CM Punk. One good way to do that is have Ricky Starrs whip a legend on late Saturday night TV. So that's how uh, Collision ended. All right. Well, I probably won't revisit that. uh, (laughs) Thank you for the update. Um, I probably didn't do the finish justice, but it's been a long week, and I don't remember the exact finish of it, so sorry, not sorry. Well, Saturday was just long, man. I mean, I watched uh, like a a four-and-a-half-hour SummerSlam, and I drank so many hard Mountain Dews, and uh, (laughs) I was just like... How do you survive that? I have no idea. And then, I, but like I said, it's like over by like eight thirty. So I'm like, okay, well, I can watch Collision now. But obviously, I was banged up enough to not watch all of it. That's great. Um, so uh, let's see. Starts out with Jericho Appreciation Society mandatory meeting, and if I look at this in a vacuum, I really like it. Uh, everybody kind of had a different thing to say. It brought up their history. I thought the delivery was very good, uh, especially um, the. 2.0, what's their new name? Um, uh, Matt Menard and, and uh, Angelo Parker. Parker. Yeah. Do they have a name? Or, I thought they did. I just I can't remember it off the top of my head. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I really liked theirs, um, especially Daddy Magic. Uh, man, Daddy Magic is like low-key, like real solid promo dude. Yeah, he, that, <laughs> yeah, he was the one where I was just like, oh, 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 man, damn, damn, and he gave you two? Oh, shit. But I feel like it was like a great, everybody did a great job of like mixing uh, real life with kayfabe. Um, That said, it didn't seem like the crowd was super invested. It was a long segment Mm. and it opened the show and it just, it was just kind of there. And like, I'm I'm into the storyline. I'm like, I'm all fine with it. But uh, I said like in a vacuum, I felt like I really liked this, but um, it wasn't like crazy impactful. Uh, as far, I did not, though, at the end, get the vibe that even though Jericho was, like, disagreeing with them and, you know, trying to talk over him and be like, what are you guys, you know, doing? I did not get the vibe that he's going with Don Callis. We're going to get our answer next week, apparently. Right. Uh, we keep hearing that. And, you know, they're dragging it out, which is all fine. we got weekly television. But um, I didn't get that vibe. So, yeah. And then Sammy's uh, saying, you know, maybe I'll be here. I'm like, okay, so what's that about? I mean, so if Jericho turns down Don Callis, are Sammy and Jericho going, you know, you know, formally sex gods again? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. Just looking at it, just micro. The the segment I thought was really good, and I got invested into it. Then, but then you know, when you take the step back and like, okay, so what's going to happen next? Now it doesn't make sense again because Sammy just saying maybe doesn't make it's not as impactful as everybody else saying their piece looking at it from their perspective of the storyline or whatever the case may be so i mean in that scenario it was just it was a weird ending and it just like like you said it just felt a little too long you just just should have had everybody just say you know what we're out and also just, you think uh 
you think Sammy, like in kayfabe, like he's got a pregnant Latin American wife, and he's just kind of like disagreed with her over this like straight. Like he's gonna go back for a tongue lashing. Okay, man. Yeah, say, like, she's the- not gonna be happy with him. Like, yeah, she about to fuck he's- you up, man. <laughs> what you mean, baby? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I still think Jericho should be like the godfather of our of our child. <laughs> Actually, I still have this drop. Absolute fucking bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. Oh, that- yeah. <laughs> What's next? Uh, next, we had uh, Young Bucks versus the Hardys. Um, this is not the match that it would have been, you know, even five years ago. But mm. the crowd was into it. Um, it was Babyface versus Babyface. Uh, you know, Young Bucks did what they could with these guys, but they can barely fucking move. And um, you know, put on dynamite. They get. You know, the Hardys still have like marquee value, so them beating them is kind of a big deal, um, and it's a fun match for the fans. Like, you know, if I go to like if AEW came to town and it was like, hey, I get Young Bucks Hardys, like that's a fun night out wrestling, right? Yeah, like, that's, that's cool. I, I feel like I'm getting my money's worth. Absolutely. So you know, fun match. You know, on free TV, and you know, the thing again after this. So they get done. They, they have like a show of respect. You know, Brandon Cutler spraying everybody with the cold sprays, getting Jeff Hardy on the neck. You know, it's like, hey, let's get you, get you cooled off. By the way, Cutler's grown a magnificent beard. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's it's rare when I see him on screen, but yeah, that Joker is uh, that Joker's nice. Yeah, and so um, then they just grab a mic and they say FTR. And then FTR's music hits them and go, okay, we're going to get a face off. <laughs> I was like, damn, and then you didn't even got the words out good. Yeah, and then they just come out and they just raise the belt in their face. You know, and I'm like, all right, like, I don't know. Um, if, Like I said, I'm not going to defend it. It seems lazy to me. Uh, it doesn't need it. It doesn't require it. But it still seems lazy. I, I can't say I totally disagree. And, I, and if anybody agrees with you i see why for me personally i don't have a problem with it because it's just about you know who's the better team and it's kind of been that way since ftr has walked in the door so in that scenario it's it's nothing that is you know they attack and you know nick and then now matt's back for revenge or shit like that it's since ftr walked in the door it was always who was the better team and now they're just trying to figure it out and here's the tiebreaker to me that's the story and then uh we had another fun video package with adam cole and mjf this time they're at a trampoline park mjf is not happy about this until he (laughs) finds out there's dodgeball where he can go just Waste kids and dodgeball. Man, uh, <laughs> this motherfucker was gunning. Uh, but that was pretty fun. And then Jack Perry beat Rob Van Dam uh, for the FTW title. Uh, not a crazy long match, but man, this was uh, way better than I would have expected. Yep. RVD did all of his spots. I mean, he didn't do like everything like that RVD would have done like in the nineties, but like he did, you know, like his. Split leg moonsault, and he does frog splash, and he did like the the thing where he rolls and then does the rolling the thunder. Dive. He did a yeah rolling thunder, and then he did like a spinning leg drop uh, off the apron onto the guardrail. Um, a lot of fun spots, and man, he looked really good for his age. And um, yeah, I mean uh, Jack Perry. I'm trying to remember how did he? Oh yeah, low blowed him. So yeah, he low blowed him, and then he uh, sent him into the chair. 
because uh, there's a lot of weapons, tables. Um, Perry went through a table. and uh, But, yeah, low blow, uh, sent him to the chair, rolled him up, pulled the tights uh, for the win. Okay, so. no, I'm making sure I'm getting this dub tonight. <laughs> yeah. But yeah saying, I pulled all these tights. Yeah, surprisingly better than I would have thought. Yeah, I agree totally, especially in this scenario on the the Rob Van Dam side because you, you kind of figure Jack Perry is going to do okay, but can Rob Van Dam hold up his end of the bargain? And, and he did way better than I anticipated. Like you said, pulled out all the hits, uh, past, present, and future. So, yeah, it was it was a good match. It was better than I, I anticipated. And right guy goes over. Now, you know, what's next for Jack Perry? Because, you know – Ultimately, we're waiting for Hook to come back, but in the meantime, we got to keep Jack. You know, I guess if we're going to have him be the the AEW legend killer, you know, which legend is he going to get next? Is that Jerry Lynn or somebody else that we haven't thought of? So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm only going to bring this up because it's very funny. Whenever they had Lucha Brothers and Alex Abrahantes in the back talking about their their upcoming match. Um, and Alex Abrahantes, I like him. I think he does a really good job. Uh, when I saw him, though, I feel like his gloves are, like, a little too big for his hands, and he's wearing, like, bright white gloves, and it just makes him look like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't stop thinking about that. He's Man, wearing these bright white gloves are, like, a little too big. You ain't shit, dog. <laughs> I can't say I disagree with you now that you mentioned it. I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah, I can see where you're going with it. It's so silly. Um and then there is a, a promo, not battle, specifically not a promo battle, with MJF and Adam Cole. Um, so they make an interesting challenge. Um, you know, there's a lot to this. There's a lot to unpack here um, without giving, like, the full rundown uh, of everything, like, minute by minute. So just assuming that you saw this, um, MJF and Adam Cole, uh, they are now going to be on the zero hour of all in wrestling for the ROH tag team titles. Uh, this makes uh, Roddy strong mad. And so officially seems like Roderick strong is going to join with the kingdom, which is Adams Cole old group from ring of honor. He's mad because it makes sense more sense for Adam Cole to join with Roderick strong, even though he's got a fucking neck brace on. No uh, shit. So I say, sit your. See, this is why you can't get healthy, man. You just getting yourself worked up, man. Calm down. <laughs> he really is getting himself worked up. He's working himself into a shoot, brother. No shit. Uh, but uh, he is so mad, and uh, MJF like lays lays into him, and that causes tension with Adam Cole and MJF, and then they hug it out. That's like the big thing, right? There's different levels of like tension each week, and then the crowd chants hug it out, and they hug it out. Um, it's fun. Um, it's all it's all good. Um, but it is an interesting decision. Um, I think for uh, just the, for business wise, I think it's pretty smart. You got your guys in your main event that are in your zero hour because what is the zero hour for? It's to get people who might be on the fence about spending fifty dollars to spend their fifty dollars. And if they shoot some angle, whether it's a tag team title win or whether it's like more dissension more or yeah. whatever. Um, it's just going to get people invested. So uh, basically all of this to say, do you think that they win or not at the zero hour? 
Oh no, I, I can't you know pick against my tag team of the year at this point. I mean, it, it, that's just that's ludicrous. Would I? I wouldn't mind it for to happen just because you know now you you open up another can of worms. But if I had to take a guess, this is just another way to build more tension. Where now MJF finally bubbles over. You you saw how he was looking at his shirt and when. Uh, Adam Cole touched his shirt. He kind of wiped his shirt. And that's, you know, that's a heel move. You know, you know, it's like, you know, basically don't touch me. You know, your germs are on me. You know, let me wipe this shit off. Same thing, you know, in this scenario. They slowly but surely somehow Roddy helps to be the, the wedge, so to speak, between Adam Cole, Bebe, and MJF. It finally bubbles over against Aussie Open. And then you have a heel MJF versus a baby face, Adam Cole, baby, as the main event at Wembley. Just a guess. Yeah, I think I think so too. Um, but uh, yeah, the old uh, what you would call it, the Blackpool Combat Club, and, which is Moxley and Claudio Castagnoli uh, defeated the Lucha Brothers. Um, this match was very fun. Uh, man, Blackpool Combat Club is just there are reasons to watch like any show. They're always doing very cool shit. They're always having very good promos. Um, and fuck, Danielson's not even there. Right. I was um, just getting ready to say the, the one guy that we all, you know, know and admire is, is, you know, healing up from his, uh, tap out win over Okada. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not much to this except kind of continuing this feud, but, uh, but yeah, very fun match. Uh, and then we had Omega. The only reason I'm going to bring this small vignette up is because we're going to get a sit-down next week uh, where Jim Ross is going to interview Kenny Omega and he's going to talk about Wembley, talk about his future. But he brings up Don Callis and Takeshita. So that makes me think that we're going to get Takeshita Omega, which sounds amazing. It is not very marquee because Takeshita is not a star yet to an American audience or probably even to a British audience. But it's like a low-key show stealer. Um, so I'm happy to include that in my $50 purchase if that's the direction they're going. Where, what do you think is Kenny Omega's uh, all-in situation? Because it's probably not going to be Osprey, I guess. No, and, and Pox obviously hurt now. Um, that's obviously story – well, not storyline, but uh, – it's a it's a it's a real shoot. Which injury. what a bummer because he's a UK guy. Yeah, that it would have been a perfect spot to, if you wanted to run uh, Omega Pac back because obviously they have history as well. Um, I guess we're going to Kesha, which I don't I don't have a problem with. Like I said, when uh, he was in that uh, blood and guts match, he really stood out there. He stood out at Forbidden Door. So I mean, for me. If you you want to try to get to catch the over, there's certain people that you could put them across immediately and make that happen. It makes storyline sense. I wish he wouldn't have said to catch his name because I probably wouldn't have thought of it unless he once he said his name. I was like, ooh, okay, now you can shut up right now. We got to get you know, a Wembley match and we can just move ahead from that point. No need to even have the sit down interview. You know, if you want to say you want to chase the title at some point, that's cool too. Um, Maybe something with him and Kota Ibushi would be the other thing that I could possibly think of as a, a possible tag team if you wanted to be, drink, uh, bring in Kota Ibushi in some form or fashion, whether it's in Wembley or in Chicago. 
but we'll see what happens. If knee-jerk reaction to catch the, you know, something off the uh, the reservation, a tag team match with Kota Ibushi. Ah, uh, yes. Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, so, um, then we had uh, Mogul Embassy. I just realized what I did. I, my notes were, were bad. I put... You transcript uh, the notes. Yeah, like Anna Jay and Nakaroshita on the last. They were on Dynamite. Uh, they weren't the main event for. Um, they weren't the main event for Collision. But anyway, that's that's dead man. You didn't even watch the main event. <laughs> yeah, so I just like I don't know. Fuck it, this is the main event. <laughs> yeah. this is the new main event on Collision. Okay, that's so cool. I guess that makes more sense because I probably just fell asleep then <laughs> because I did see the Karoshita, uh match anyway. Um, we don't have to talk about that again. But Mogul Embassy's out there, and like I said, badass group. Um, they further this storyline. This this is a, a match with a build and like a story, and it's got a lot of layers and it's got a lot of parties included. And um, we have uh, Darby coming out and kind of adding more layers to the story, saying that he did call Ar Fox and basically saying Ar Fox is a drug addict. <laughs> uh, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, it came out of nowhere, but. Um, yeah, and uh, so then we have, uh, you know, he says, you know, I've got friends, you've got you got new friends, I've also got friends, and Sting is in the ring, and Sting uh, beats everybody's asses, NWO style, and uh, puts a <laughs> bat up against Swerve's neck and points at the, at the sign, so we're going to get Swerve Scott, uh, and I don't know why I say that, Swerve Strickland, I don't know why I say this all the time, Swerve Strickland, and uh, we're going to get... Uh, Air Fox versus Sting and Darby in a coffin match for Wembley, which sounds awesome. That match is going to be nuts. Oh, I mean, even if there's not, and there is a build for this, and it, maybe I was thinking Nick Wayne was going to be the guy. Uh, but I Sting thought he'd makes, be in there too, like with a trio. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. uh, Nick Wayne and Darby, but then Sting came out. I was like, okay, you know, this works too. Um, Obviously, a coffin match, you know how it's going to end, but I just I need this to be as bonkers as humanly possible. And three of the four guys can do that. There's one guy that just needs to sit his little narrow ass down, and that's Sting, okay? No stupid buffs for you, old man, okay? Last time we saw you, you damn near took your own head off jumping off of a ladder onto a table. It's time to go ahead and let the Young Bucks do their thing. And literally and figuratively, let the Young Bucks do their thing. So Sting's only job is to bring down the bat, you know, have the big pop, and do some shit that's Stinger Splash-esque. Nothing more than that. I don't need to see him jumping off of a balcony this time around. Please and thank you. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Stay safe. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's AEW. We're rolling towards two pay-per-views. And, um, you know, they're putting on good shows on Saturday and Wednesday. And actually, the last couple of weeks, even Friday. So uh, it's a lot of TV. And I think that's part of the fatigue, right? It's like, not just G1. We got an extra two hours of AEW. We got... You know, if, if you watch, if you watch just SmackDown and Raw, that's five hours. If you watch just Dynamite and Collision, that's another four. That's nine hours of television, and that's not even getting to any Japanese or any any other kind of stuff that you want to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, or like SummerSlam, SummerSlam was you know four hours long. If there happens to be a pay per view, it's it it's a lot. So, no, it was definitely. Uh... 
a lot to consume this week for sure. Um, I guess my, one of my, I guess what was my question I was going to ask you? And I can't think of it now. Uh, fuck it. That's it for our three count. Now that's fatigue right there, ladies and gentlemen, or just me being a little too high. Um, little odds and ends, NXT style. Um, Mustafa Ali beats Axiom. Uh, Blair Davenport beats Kalani Jordan. Uh, Tyler Bate beats Noam Dar for the fake Heritage Cup championship. Uh, Noam Dar gets his fake cup back, and then he and Nathan Frazier are going to have a match for the real Heritage Cup. I believe that's in a couple weeks. Um, Braun Breaker defeats Von Wagner, but Von Wagner puts Braun Breaker through a table. So that's probably going to be a thing. Uh, Wesley's heel run comes to a bit of a halt for a little bit. Dijak attacks him in the parking lot, or not in the parking lot, in the um, the locker room. And then he sees, he being Wesley, sees Trick Williams in the parking lot and tells Trick to let Carmelo know that he's not done with him yet. Trick Williams having his own little plot going on. He's going to try... Uh, Challenge Dragonoff for a match next week. Everybody pray for Trick Williams. He might not come back the same way. Um, Dominic Mysterio in the main event uh, defeats Dragon Lee with fuckery from Rhea Ripley. Ultimately, I think Dragon Lee takes the North American title off of Dominic Mysterio. I just don't know when yet. Hopefully, it's no time soon because. I'm sorry. I like Dominic Mysterio as the North American champion. He, that shit seems fun to me, and it's pissing a lot of people off, so that seems even more fun. From there, uh, some odds and ends from NXT that no, nobody really wants to talk about. Sorry, Bill. I love you, but NXT was not really that good. A lot of vignettes. Um, I think that's going to cover it, now, unless you got anything you want to add to this odds and ends. We, I don't have birthdays because, you know, Motherfucker, don't do that. I don't know how to do it, and that's, that's not our gimmick. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that's Bill's thing, baby. Nothing else? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, there's, there's so much. Um, I can't even keep up with it. So we'll just wrap it up. My dear, good. Well, everybody, I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. We thank you for listening to ours. For Tender Mahal, for Gucci Chris, for Murray to Marin Murray, for Patriot Pat, for Vice, for who's this one? That's oh, hang on, who's that? Oh, Billy the Cat, for Lucifer the Cat, for the Departed Bill Veggie. We'll see you next week. Prayers up for the fam. That is a Three Beers, Zach Pullman. I'm Jason Cornelius Bell. And everybody, boo the motherfucking heels, bitch. <laughs>